What's up, queens? What is up? All you kings and queens and all the scrotes and the negative value males and the low value males and the... Who am I missing? The high value males, of course. Such a thing doesn't really exist, but we can pretend. Welcome back, everybody, to an all-new female dating strategy stream. I apologize for... Foisting this upon you with such short notice. I was supposed to be doing uh, comedy shows tonight. I had many shows booked. They all got canceled. I don't know if it has to do with the Oscars or what. Uh, but here we are. I, w- I was going to actually, because I had all these spots and I was going to like come in between and then, uh, but very last minute. And then I was like, maybe not going to do it. But here we are. Okay. So welcome back, everybody, uh, to. Can I call this church? Is that too much? It feels like church sometimes. Um, someone says Dax Danny is busy with his SVB losses. No SVB losses. So I have a friend, though, who did have all his money uh, in that bank because he lives in San Francisco, and he had all his money with that bank, but apparently they're all fine now. And he didn't have over a quarter of a million dollars, so uh, I think for him, actually, there was never any concern other than the fact that he couldn't get his money out over the weekend. Uh, but that is neither here nor there what we are here for today is more female dating strategy slowly but surely we are catching up uh today on the docket i hope uh, are any of you guys watching the oscars part of me was like should i do this against with with the oscars happening and then i'm like who the fuck watches the oscars anymore like after last year you're almost guaranteed that there's no way it's going to be good this year like if you suffered through that slop last year but then at least you got to see the slap there's no way we could do better than that. It's impossible. Impossible. So, oh, interesting. Very interesting. So, not that, huh. All right, I'm going to have to do a little uh, a little legwork here. I thought, so I, I just pulled up the episodes. I don't know what happened here. We're, we'll have to figure this out, but. I've just been doing them in order of how they post them on their YouTube, unless they don't post every episode on YouTube. But based on my count, this should be episode 74, but they stopped posting the episode numbers for a while. There's been no episode numbers. Um, So I thought this was episode 74 based on just I've been going in order, but they're now calling this episode 76. So we're missing two episodes. Uh, where I have no clue because they stopped numbering them. It's not really that big of a deal if we miss them, but just so you know. So this is technically episode 76 and 77, and then we missed two along the way. Not necessarily 74 and 75, but um, who gives a shit, I guess. I don't know. If one of you wants to go through them and maybe see which ones I missed, I could check them out, but I don't I don't really care that much. Do we, do we really care? Um... Okay, so episode 76 and 77, I stand corrected uh, of the Female Dating Strategy podcast. Episode 76, title being Pretty Privilege is not all it's cracked up to be. Now, I'm sure we are all wondering, are the gals giving their own personal experiences about how Pretty Privilege is not not as it seems. What do we think? Probably, probably what it is. Um, also, if you're listening to this, smash that like button. 
hit that subscribe button. All all the things. Um, throw on the Oscars. Check out what your favorite celebs wearing. What are they wearing? Jeans? Probably not. They don't wear jeans at the Oscars. Wisely so. All right. Let us get to it. Um, episode 76. Episode 77. Of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast. As always, on one and a quarter speed, if you'd like to support everything I do, please go uh, patreon.com slash lowvaluemail. That's the best way to do it. Or locals, low value mail on locals. Or become a scrote over on YouTube. You get access to these fun little uh, custom emojis. Here's a clucking hen. Why? Because we're listening to the hens clucking. Of course. All right. Let's get to it without further ado. I think I already said that. Pretty Privilege is not all it's cracked up to be episode 76 of the Female Dating Strategy podcast. Thank you for joining me live, everyone. What's up, queens? What's up, Welcome queens? Welcome to the female dating. So that's a new inflection on queens that normally goes, what's up, queens? Like they're kind of depressed, but it's what's up, queens? Strategy podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm Rope. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. And today we're going to discuss pretty privilege. What is it? It's been a controversial topic on the uh, FES, I don't know, discussion boards? or on- I mean, obviously it's not. Is it controversial at all? I think pretty well established that uh, the more attractive you are, the better you will be treated in your life man or woman twitter for a long time i think any privilege debate is gonna spark controversy purely because you a controversy get people who are being accused of having privilege or that particular privilege whether that's white privilege class privilege pretty privilege you know saying that actually no it's not but we'll unpack that in this episode so you guys took opposite opinions about this on twitter so this is what sparked it right should I read out my most controversial tweet? I think this got the most engagement like ever. So basically I tweeted June 7th, pretty privilege isn't real. The fact that women's opportunities are conditional on our appearance is female oppression, not a female privilege. And then I go into some- But I mean, again, men also uh, benefit from like, it's okay. Examples of this, you know, porn and prostitution, for example, is not, you know, oh, you can make money on OnlyFans or oh, you can get a sugar daddy. That's not, porn and prostitution is not a privilege. That's female oppression and so on. Needless to say, you know, that was a very polarizing statement. It got like 8,500 likes, but it also got nice. like almost 400 quote tweets and a lot of comments, a lot of disagreement coming from all sides. Like there was the fence cell crowd. Sounds like Lilith getting dunked on. Being like, yes, pretty privilege is real and you bitches have something that we don't. And then there's the men who are like, bitches. oh, like attractive women have it so great, yada, yada, yada kind of thing. And then there's others who took a more moderate approach who are saying, yeah, pretty privilege is real, but you know, there are some downsides to it for women and so on. So my views have only softened ever so slightly ever since the backlash of that tweet. But my opinions are pretty much the same that like, you know, the costs of being beautiful for women are high and that the benefits of being attractive are negligible. And that Negli- is not, that- what am I hearing right now? Did I just hear that the costs of being attractive as a woman are negligible? Pretty privilege essentially works differently for men and for women. And for women, it can be more of a liability. I don't actually... Liability? What the fuck am I hearing? This might be some of the most deluded shit I've ever heard them say. And that is saying quite a bit. Remember, actually... (laughs) (laughs) Gene was a long time ago. Okay, my brain's a bit fuzzy and I was just recovering from surgery. But I did want to have this episode because even though I think me and Lilith disagree on some aspects of that, ultimately we overall agree, but we'll come to that in the episode. So what I think, I'm just going to say it, pretty privilege is a thing. You have things like the halo effect, which affects both men and women. And when we talk about pretty privilege for women, we're not just talking about 
factor in how they come across to men as well. Even other women are taken in and they treat other attractive women better than unattractive women. If you ask any woman who has changed in terms of her social desirability, for example, if she's lost weight, if she's gained weight, if she's had a dramatic shift in her appearance, any kind, they'll tell you that the way they were treated, say, before they lost weight is very, very different to how they were treated um, after they've lost weight. It's not necessarily oh, on the macro level in the sense that they get word. more interest from men or that their career takes off or whatever. It can just be on the micro level. So I noticed that when I like lost a substantial amount of weight, I would go to the supermarket at the checkout and I wasn't used to people really making an effort with me like socially before. But I remember one occasion there was a guy at checkout, he was quite attractive and I just dumped my things in the conveyor belt, not really wanting to chat. I was like, hey. And then he was like, hey. Then I was just like staring off into space, just waiting to pay for my shit and get out. And then he was like, oh, so you've got a cheesecake in your shopping. I was like, yeah. It was like, what's your favorite flavor? I was like, like lemon. I remember I was proper screw facing him because I was like, why are you talking to me like this? <laughs> How dare you? Lemon? <laughs> why are you making small talk? But it's the little things like that that can change if you are deemed conventionally or not conventionally attractive. And you know, whilst people might say, well, that's just a small thing, but if you have been, say, a social outcast, getting that sort of treatment is A, quite disconcerting, but also it makes you realize just how badly you were treated before or ignored before you became more conventionally attractive. But I do want to caveat as well that pretty privilege, when, and again, I alluded to this at the top of the episode, but pretty privilege does not mean that attractive women are not oppressed. And this is where me and Lilith agree, is that attractive women are absolutely oppressed. And I feel like- I mean, I think attractive women are the most oppressed class pretty privilege doesn't exist because attractive women are also oppressed it's sort of the same argument that people try to make when they say white privilege doesn't exist because of the presence of you know working class white people white people who are subjected to oppression and that's absolutely valid but the difference is is that you know if we take the example of white privilege you know white working class people are not oppressed because they are white they are oppressed because they are working class and that's a different form of social oppression and privilege so in terms of like when it comes to pretty privilege then if we look at that i would argue that attractive women are not not oppressed because they are attractive they are oppressed because they are women because the same issues and the same oppression that attractive women face are also faced by unattractive women just to, to varying degrees so that's the argument i would make on this topic okay bro what are your thoughts so i think pre-privilege has some benefits but a lot of drawbacks and really hard limitations and one of the things that i think fds has as an overarching theme tried to impress upon women is that like you can't pretty privilege your way out of patriarchy right so like a lot of you can't is this merch of theirs? Of what people are considering to be pretty privileged or like you would be able to have if you were prettier. And I don't consider just like physical attractiveness part of pretty privilege. It's also just like the entire packaging of like the submissive feminine woman. And you see all these like lifestyle coaches and femininity coaches trying to like capture that feminine essence because they think that that kind of performative femininity is going to grant them certain levels of privileges in society that it often doesn't. And that's why I'm somewhat skeptical of the pretty privilege discussion because there's a lot of women that really buy into that like Cinderella story that, okay, if I'm meek and beautiful and feminine and like some prince charming is going to come out of nowhere and like take care of me etc and honestly all it does is a lot of times get them exploited and abused so i think when i think of pretty privilege i think of it more or less like okay does performative femininity i've never trusted those prince charming types personally what does it get you in a patriarchal society what does it get you in our society well it definitely gets you a lot of um service industry jobs but again that's service industry you're still in a service position right that's what I'm saying. It's like, to me, there's a difference in pretty privilege and how it manifests for like working class girls versus like upper class women. And I feel like a lot of working class women are always sold this fantasy that they'll end up being like upper class women if they just sort of focus on their feminine charms. But more often than not, it happens to like pretty working class girls. Yes, they're relegated to hospitality industry. So if you want to be a waitress, a server, a sex worker, or like just like side piece or a mistress, like, that, a like, they these, put like Instagram that, model type. This is how they put all of these in the same bucket as like sex worker or service. Like you'd be like in... 
work in a restaurant that end up or sex workers or side pieces and mistresses to like to more successful wealthy men they get i guess privilege in the sense of like if you want to be a sugar baby or have like a transactional relationship um and want to be sexually exploited by men who have means then if you want to make money off your licks like i guess you could call that even women in the modeling industry are treated like absolute trash they don't make very much money they're sexually exploited all the time they're abused a lot of them are prostituting to like supplement income a lot of them are raped a lot of them are pressured into prostitution or tricked into it so i want to say that like okay does it grant you certain things and i'm like well i don't even know that it grants you like above minimum wage job to be blunt like even if you're like extremely beautiful because models don't make that much so when i look at it i'm like what does it give you as far as like yeah but it's also the fucking easiest job on earth it's like so easy to be a model like come on that's why they don't make a lot because there's a million people who want to be models tangible assets like if you have other skills besides being pretty then i think being pretty pretty obviously will give you a leg up but a lot of women who like have this fantasy they're like i'm gonna meet like a rich six-figure guy and he's just gonna take care of me like more than likely they date within their social circle because class privilege trumps pretty privilege so you'd be way 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 better off like trying to get that's a- not true by the way if you're super hot the guys are not gonna be discriminating like if you're like an actual 10 out of 10 there's no guy who's like oh a little low class for me education even if you are a model like putting yourself in the types of circles or giving yourself some kind of monetary power on your own so even if you are a model like getting endorsement deals or something things that you can like sustain your own lifestyle so that like when you get into these circles with men that you like you have some element of power and then they're just not straight exploiting you right and dangling like a carrot of money above your head i guess i just take the opinion that like yeah it gives mm. you a little bit of a benefit but it, i like those money carrots it doesn't necessarily immediately translate into like real tangible power in the world yeah like i feel like especially if you're a woman attractiveness privilege is like the least powerful kind of privilege that you could have right like savannah compared it to you know saying pretty privilege doesn't exist because attractive women are still exploited is similar to you know saying white privilege doesn't exist because of poor white people the difference between that i think is that like whiteness even for poor white people isn't itself a liability right whereas when you're a woman and you're beautiful under patriarchy it's like the more beautiful you are it also kind of puts a target on your back in a way right like you just get more men that want to exploit you yeah like unattractive women absolutely can be exploited right it's not like you know if you're a poor white person being white is itself a liability whereas if you're a woman under patriarchy being beautiful itself presents its own unique set of dangers so to speak or increases certain types of danger it's the old fem cell argument. I know we, we're going to try to leave them alone because I know we just did an episode that was uh, controversial about fem cells, but a lot of them are complaining about being romantically ignored. Some of them are, are actually harassed and bullied. A lot of them are complaining very similar to the insults that they're just honestly like completely ignored. Now, is that preferable to being a constant target of sexual harassment and abuse and yes. men like trying to triangulate you and, and neg you and abuse you all the time? And a lot of beautiful women get a lot of that because men look at them like a trophy and then seek to control them, right? So like, is there a privilege in being somewhat invisible, right? Is there a privilege and going through life like me what they call it medium ugly like not being the target of male like i don't know there's this weird sort of contradictory thing within like the fem cell space where it's like you know men are dangerous you know men being attracted to you doesn't mean anything because they all demonic pedophiles or whatever right like they think that men being attracted to you is dangerous but at the same time some of them think that they're Wait, all men are demonic pedophiles that's because they're not getting enough male attention so i was at a comedy show on the weekend and a girl in the audience said men are a disease just just men or a disease. It's good stuff. It's like, which is it, right? Do you think that men being attracted to you is a privilege or a source of danger? I'm more of the view that it's that it puts you in danger when you get more male attention, actually. If we can all agree that like men are more likely to be violent than women and that men are dangerous, wouldn't it then follow that more men having their eyes on you or, you know, drawing more male attention would put you in more danger than not? I think in the case of the fem cells, it's not so much about wanting to get the same level of attraction as an attractive woman, but it's that element of social exclusion. Like I've said, like, I mean, if you can imagine being treated like you're literally invisible is not nice for anyone, even if they recognize that, you know, that male attention is dangerous or whatever. Yeah, that's what it's like being a regular guy. That is literally 
what it is like being a regular guy but to live your life being ignored or being basically mocked and it isn't even like it's like personally sometimes in a way for me personally like when i was big it was better to be i mean not really mocked but it was more like at least they were taking notice of you but people will literally look straight through you like you're not even there and that is quite dehumanizing especially if you're in a group of people and everybody's like honestly like i'm sure there's a lot of guys in the chat who are like yeah it's just what it's like you're more conventionally attractive friends and everyone's ignoring you that's not nice and again i'm not going to get into the oppression olympics and say which one's worse because i think that they're both bad in their own ways and it also depends on the effect of the individual because some women they don't mind being ignored by men in fact they're perfectly happy just to not get any male attention but i can see why a lot but... of women would feel uncomfortable with that and have that cognitive dissonance because like right from the beginning you know fem cells are also not immune to the patriarchal conditioning that everybody else is you know women have been told that your worth lies in whether or not a man finds you attractive or not and you know fem cells aren't immune to that conditioning as well and so when they don't get that it's not just so much as that i'm I'm not getting a man it's the fact that i'm not even you know seen as a human being can you tell us like possibly like a quasi femme cell when i was younger no i mean I, I actually think that input is valuable like i think it is important to empathize with women who had different experiences from you right like i mean for me personally like i don't know how to say this like it just makes me feel so fucking empty when i know that men are only being nice to me because they want to fuck me like this happens so many times where like Ugh. men will be superficially nice when they just first meet me and then the moment i have any kind of like boundaries or i say no or they face any rejection that's when they go psycho on me or lash out at me or like that's when i face a sort of like punishment and so it makes me feel very like it feels empty knowing that people are only being nice i, I don't want to be the kind of like oh it's so hard being beautiful like i know that sounds really stupid i can imagine that as well again it's dehumanizing it's just another way to dehumanize women exactly well not just dehumanizing but it just feels very like i'm being held hostage like i have to be nice you know men often complain about the friend zone and stuff but i actually think that it's better for women to acquaintance zone men like you'll get the best treatment from men when they're like an acquaintance if you keep them at a distance well it's yeah it's not an acquaintance zone is you're kind of keeping it uh a little unclear about where the guy may stand which is again i i guess if i was a woman i probably would do that too if you're trying to like get stuff out of them or whatever but yeah you're keeping it where you're it's like you're not shutting the door on it it's not a yes but it's not a no and then stupid guys are like oh maybe maybe i have a chance in there if they think that they have a chance with you, maybe if they play their cards right kind of thing at some point in the future. See. But you always have to make sure that's like a distant possibility without actually rejecting them. It's like very like hard line to toe. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I just pretty much go through like feeling really empty that like that that sort of treatment is conditional. So the other thing too, is that the way that men treat you is also very class dependent and very race dependent right and this is where i say like being beautiful can be like an extreme liability for that's sex. that is true i definitely treat white people the worst for me who has at times lived in extremely poor neighborhoods what i'm saying is that there are men who literally stand on street corners and harass the shit out of you all day long that make and try to like sexually exploit you try to pimp you try to do these types of things because they see you as an asset that they can exploit for their own personal gain so the thing about that is that if you're not in a safe environment where like the criminal element isn't around so to speak for like working class and poor women like being a Active can actually be a, a massive liability in those environments. And not to say that that doesn't happen to other women, doesn't say that it's not like women that aren't unattractive don't experience it. Because like all women are going to experience that. Let me just be very, very clear about that, that all women are going to experience that to a certain extent. But like if you're looked upon as an asset to men, then they get very, very like aggressive in their attempts to try to own and exploit you. Exactly. Historically, like women used to be secluded because, you know, they couldn't just go out in public by themselves unaccompanied because they'd get fucking kidnapped and sold into sexual slavery, right? So many like times throughout history where slavery was legal like scandinavia middle east ottoman empire you know probably i'm guessing also transatlantic slavery like you know attractive women were literally i would just like to say that i unequivocally denounce slavery and the slave trade they kidnapped from their homes and like forced into sexual slavery right so and it still happens now with prostitution and pimping 
I mean, the guys will even say things, very vulgar things like, I bet I could get X amount of money for you, right? That's disgusting. Yeah. They understand what men find sexually attractive. So they look at that person like, okay, I could get a lot of money for you. And so they almost look at you like a, yeah, they look at you like an asset that they could exploit or coerce. And even in countries that countries that um, where women are forced into marriage, it's a very similar dynamic, even though they're forced into marriage uh, to one guy, they're also forced into that marriage because they look a certain way, right? Because like, there's sort of an aggressive need for men to control that person. So I'm not saying like, you guys should cry tears for like beautiful women all the time, but I'm just saying that, like, like, I feel like if you exist on the extremes, like if you're an extremely unattractive woman and you're extremely attractive woman, like they come with actually, it's a double-edged sword on both sides where it comes with like some benefits. Yeah, everybody has their own problems. Nobody is problem-free. But then also like some really, really big drawbacks as well. There's nothing wrong with being average. There's nothing wrong with being like medium ugly. It's okay to be average. Yeah. Medium ugly for the win. That's the real privileged woman who's here is the woman who's, you know, attractive enough to not be socially excluded, but not so beautiful that she'd be literally kidnapped into sexual slavery. So, you know, that's the real privilege. That's a joke, by the way. So one thing we didn't talk about yet is how does this affect your female friendships? Because a lot of times on both sides of the aisle, you hear extremely attractive women being like, it's very hard for me to make friends because people think I'm trying to steal their boyfriend. Women feel threatened by me. People don't want to be friends with me. And then on the other hand, you have like the femzels will say that people don't want to be friends with me because I'm a social liability. Okay, what you said triggered me so bad because like, so recently we had a company barbecue. I met some of the spouses of some of the guys that I work with. And some of these women were just like hostile to me for like no reason. I'd never interacted with these women or barely even interacted with their man. And I'm like, why are these just being so hostile to me? Like, they probably listen to the fucking podcast. Like, you know, like, what do you think I'm- Or they listen to this. Gonna steal your man or what do you, like, do you think I'm his work wife or what? Like, what, what are you thinking is going on? There's nothing happening, right? And so I'm like- yeah, there's definitely times like that where I'm like, I don't know. But then there are t- other times where, yeah, I do feel like people want to be my friend. I don't struggle to make friends either, right? So it's, it's a minefield. Ooh. I do think that, you know, just like dating down is a thing. I believe that friending down is a thing, that people seek out friends who they perceive to be doing worse than them, whether that's in terms of their looks or career or their jobs or their money. So it's absolutely a thing. And again, a lot of people who have, I'll use example of like weight loss, because that's what I'm familiar with. But a lot of people who have lost a lot of weight have said their friendships have changed. Like they noticed that, you know, when they became more conventionally attractive by losing weight, their friends were just not happy for them. They would make, you know, little digs at them or they would just make it or it would become apparent that their friend then became, I guess, annoyed that they were no longer the fat friend who made them look better. That happens all the time. In fact, when you have bariatric surgery, when you're on the prep for it, they do counselling specifically around relationships because the divorce rate after bariatric surgery is ridiculously high. Why? Because of what I've just said. People change, people realise actually this person who I was with because they're not conducive to my weight loss because you get partners who they feel so threatened by their partner's weight loss they'll intentionally sabotage it the person who's lost weight might realize actually <laughs> i can do better yeah okay i can see that yeah but this also happens to friendships as well like they literally tell you like that's mad fucked up if you get the surgery and then you're like i can kind of do better than this person you know you're gonna lose potentially lose your friendships your relationships might change and that's actually a real thing because of that as well so yeah i'd say it's absolutely a thing people if we accept that dating down is a thing then like friending down is also a thing So I always think it's interesting because I think for a lot of beautiful women, they wouldn't necessarily, unless they're extremely shallow people and there are extremely shallow people, a lot of people just want to be friends with people just to be friends. And sometimes it comes across to them that it's not that they're trying to like be friend down. They just want to hang out with people they find interesting, but then they're perceived as a threat wherever they go, right? I don't know. I just love women. I just instinctively want to be friends. I with also people. love women. All women. We all more do. More attractive than me or less attractive than me. And then I don't really think that much about that. But then it's like other people think about it more than I do. I, I don't know. I mean, some people, it just comes down to their security level because I've definitely been part of like school, work, whatever. Someone else comes to the job and they're attractive. And then it's like, the established social order gets like their panties in a bunch, right? About like, I bet she's stuck up. I bet she's like this. I bet. And like, they put all these like imaginary traits on somebody 
that don't exist because they look a certain way because they're ultimately like insecure and threatened i've experienced it i've also been a part of a crowd where like i was already established in that crowd and then you're seeing someone else come new and then like how the way that some women just like immediately start attacking other women for basically no reason and if you watch reality tv like you see that kind of stuff all the time like women tend to just eat a new person because they feel like they're attractive or anything and they're not immediately like extremely meek and nice then like they feel like oh that person's a stuck-up bitch they're trying to steal your man like they basically describe every single negative trait a woman could possibly be to a, a woman because she's beautiful and she's not like quiet or stupid or something that they can feel superior about immediately i would never do such a thing so okay what you're describing there's a similar thing with like goat hierarchies i've mentioned like i have relative did she say goat hierarchies goats that have uh goats and i love observing goat hierarchies because there's a similar thing where like there's the established social order you know with the the does the females they're all kept in like one herd right and so they have this sort of established social order and then if they bring in a new doe from another farm or something or if one of the does leaves the farm for a while and comes back later there's almost always like a giant like and they're like headbutting each other to try to figure out who's the alpha female kind of thing right like there's always conflict whenever a new doe is, re- is introduced or reintroduced Sounds they gotta like figure one. out what's the social order kind of thing and so i don't know goats are intelligent and social animals humans are intelligent and social animals so i mean maybe that's just normal you know what i mean like that, that's just sort of to be expected next she's gonna start telling us about lobster hierarchy with, with animals where there's a hierarchy and you know they're social and power struggles are real and, and so on so i definitely know what you mean where i talked about this a bit in the surviving office politics episode like the cat fight episode where you know my tip when you're entering a new office environment new working environment it's really important to like present yourself as non-threatening and not as a target of other you know if you want to win at office politics you have to have as many allies as possible <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes i do kind of present myself as like making non-threatening when i'm in a new social situation it's not until later that people <laughs> realize i'm not maybe so nice and non-threatening but you got to have a good first impression i guess lilith is threatening everybody you heard it here first but it is something to be aware of as a woman like you know going into a new social situation like that you know i actually now that now that i'm thinking about it I actually kind of pisses me off that i have to be meek and not present myself as meek and non-threatening just to like not be attacked right yeah that's a specific type of sexism that i don't think people realize like i can't just be myself what like what do you mean i, I don't know if you found this to be true or not savannah if like you've heard about this or like where women who were overweight and then lost a lot of weight that like their personality is not acceptable in a beautiful woman on a thin woman that certain aspects like being kind of an asshole or speaking your mind now, I'm not even gonna call it being an asshole I think being an assertive woman or being a woman who sets boundaries is like more accepted acceptable yeah 100% 100% if you're not conventionally attractive if you start to get like more attractive and people just like descend on you like you're a problem I think that's a function of misogyny and patriarchy where like they need beautiful women to be like submissive and it's like women who are both attractive and assertive get so much more hate than women who are just one or the other, but not both, you know? So that's well, I mean, thing. just it's like, like being attractive and submissive is kind of like the holy grail, you know? You go, this is the best of both worlds. You're seen as more of a threat if you're attractive and assertive at the same time, which again, I feel like it's a great liability to women because this doesn't apply to men, by the way. Like a man who's attractive and assertive is seen as more respectable than a man who's one or the other. And to sure. be fair, like you don't get people saying, so who's an attractive, oh, Chris Hemsworth slept his way to the top of Hollywood. But how many attractive actresses have been accused of that? Even if it's- Well, because he didn't. And they did. But I don't think he did. Not true. Exactly. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, because that assertiveness tax, maybe we'll call it, the assertiveness tax that's placed on attractive women is placed by both men and by women. We know why men do it. Men do it because they want to control the woman. And then women do it because I think they also ally with the men. And that's why it can be somewhat dangerous if you're an attractive woman trying to be friends with pick because they're so male identified that they want to, you know, they want to attack you too because the men want to control you or like bring you down a notch. And then it makes them feel better to bring you down a notch. Well, the pygmies want like male validation, right? And so if they're like, I'm one of the good ones, I bully women like Lilith, they're bitches and they deserve to be humbled. And like, they get a lot of positive male I mean, but Lilith is kind of like that. that. 
So I don't know, office politics tip though. So then if you're an attractive woman, you have to be two-faced, honest to God. <laughs> hard mode is trying to be an attractive woman in an office full of like misogynist males and pick me women because you would have to build allies with women who are instinctively going to dislike you from the jump. And so you would have to try to like make it so that they realize that by being your friend, first of all, you'd first you'd have to like make it seem like being your friend would give them a better shot with the men. And this is a tactic I've, I've used a couple of times if I had the ability to, where if I knew one of the guys was attracted to me, because like they're so predictable. Pickneys are obnoxious. This is like high school type drama, but it really honestly translates to the real world too. But like if there's like a quote alpha male or a male who's like attractive in the office and he happens to be attracted to you for whatever reason, like you have to try to get in his good graces because then the pickneys will fall in line. Because then they realize like, oh, well, they'll get mad at you at first. Maybe like they'll hate you. But like if they realize like she's going to have access, there's like sorority rules, right? Like if you're the- I feel like Jordan Peterson would love this shit. The alpha female and you're going to have access to like the men then they all want to have access to. So then they'll try to be your friend or like they at least publicly try to seem like they agree with you so that they can be on the, in the in group because they have no loyalty to each other as women. They immediately are going to have loyalty to whichever woman they think is going to get the most respect from the men. Yeah, and that kind of hierarchy is very unstable. And I have like no respect for women who follow it. That's the problem. The problem is when it works, I just have zero respect for the women it works on. I'm like, you're a dumbass. Like, and I hate that's the problem. I hate the feeling of insecurity. Like, first of all, playing to these kinds of politics like makes me feel dirty, even though I do it all the time. And secondly, it's very anxiety inducing knowing how unstable your position of power is. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing with pretty. So I guess that's another discussion about pretty privilege. It's like, I guess it can work for you if you're in an environment full of pickneys and misogynist men and you can get the attention and well, you get the attention because you're pretty, but you still have to do the work to like gain boundaries and respect from the men. Then you can basically control all of the other women in that environment because they're dumb followers. And like the queen bee is always the woman who they feel like is going to get the most attention from men because they're pickneys. And that sort of like leads into my next thought about, and this is the point that I think the femme cells completely miss is that pretty privilege as we've touched on episode, it doesn't guarantee better treatment from men and also lilith you know went into it in more detail but that's right boys don't treat them differently hold the line just like ro uh, touched on just now it ultimately comes back to your boundaries and your standards and your ability to walk away from poor treatment which is why fds Generally, we don't talk so much about looks maxing as perhaps other female spaces do, purely because ultimately it doesn't make a difference. If your standards are still shit, it's not going to make a difference, ultimately. And you'll still end up entertaining the sorts of men that you really should have cut off from the jump, ultimately. I mean, basically, pretty privilege, where it absolutely doesn't translate to, which and where it doesn't exist, I would say, is into relationships with men. Yeah, I mean, if you see a lot of mean girl dynamics where to tie the two concepts together, the one I gave about like being the queen bee among pygmies is that a lot of times the queen bee among pygmies tolerates a lot of shit to keep that position. Yeah, from men and women. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, exactly. So they look the other way whether man cheats. I mean, a lot of the women who are being treated the most poorly in their relationships are women who are married to like powerful men or in relationships with powerful men for whom that's now become their seat of power or their source of identity. Their only power in the world is funneled through them be- having the approval of this man. And it's precarious because then the men know that and they abuse it all the time, right? So then like the women want to keep the image that they're powerful. So they'll just look the other way. They'll deny, they'll deflect. That was kind of similar to when we were talking about the anatomy of a scandal show where all of her power comes through her husband. She has like the position of being the wife of a very powerful 
man. And so she's got to keep up appearances. She's got to look the other way when he does really crappy things. And then all the other women, more or less, like she wants to maintain that position of like people looking up to her and having perceived power, but she doesn't have the power. She only has the power through the man that she's associated with. And that is precarious. You can lose that. Like, and a lot of women do, right? Yeah, like if your power is based on your proximity to powerful men, that's not real inherent power. You can lose that at any second also if he just decides to leave you. And the yeah. other point I wanted to make about attractiveness being liability is that there have been studies about how attractive people, men and women, face do experience more opportunities in their career. The one exception is attractive women in male-dominated industries. And I work in a male-dominated industry, and that's been very true for me. Like men tend to assume I'm less competent, or they mansplain, or they talk down to me, or it's very frustrating because like sometimes I actually have to sort of play dumb just to not be abused. And that's what I mean about like. Well, if everybody's wondering uh, well, where Lilith uh, is on the look scale, she's a 10 out of 10. Attractiveness and power for women is a very complicated relationship. And it's often more of a liability than a privilege. Because if I were to go into the office and just be my regular, like assertive, like self and like not trying to play dumb or I almost feel like I have to downplay some of my accomplishments and like be pretend modest and stuff just to not get a target on my back. Right. As soon as I start, you know, more openly bossing people around. Here's the other thing is like, I basically have to be manipulative. Like it actually sucks that like basically the only way to get shit done as a woman in a male dominated industry when you're attractive is to low key. Yeah. You kind of have to be manipulative. You can't just like openly make demands the way that a man oh why can't you just turn it into a female dominated industry i don't understand power would because you know people think you're a bitch people think you're a cunt like no one wants to work for someone like that you know if you have a leadership role as a woman in that kind of environment and it really just sucks when yeah men just assume you're dumb and you're put in a situation where you have to play along or play dumb or else you get attacked and so that's another reason why and i think that if you've never experienced what that's like you might not believe that or you might think it's not a big deal or whatever it's never nice to be undermined in the workplace in any way, shape or form, especially because of the way you look, ultimately. Yeah. So definitely I empathize with women who feel like being invisible has limited their opportunities and so on. And I guess what I'm kind of hoping for is that, you know, women who have not had the same experiences as me, that maybe they'll feel, they'll empathize with my experience and that maybe, you know, we can work together to overcome patriarchy. That's like what I would like. That's like my, <laughs> that's what I want, but it's unfortunately not always realistic. And a lot of women, regardless of their look, just don't have any loyalty to other women. And that's what it comes down to, because you have both groups pointing at each other. I mean, it's a divide and conquer strategy, right? If they pedestalize certain types of women and those women, especially if they're power hungry, like Serena Joy types, if you've ever seen uh, Handmaid's Tale. So like you have like the Serena Joy types who like revel in their this power position, even though it's limited and dependent on the men in their lives. They're very antagonistic and they weaponize their pretty privilege against women who are less attractive. They want to be the queen bee. They want to exploit other women. They like being there. And I don't, the irony of this is that part of the reason why feminism is uh, constantly like losing ground, even by purported like feminists on the left is that because women at the top of the hierarchy and both these situations actually I feel like a lot of liberal feminists as well as like conservative types do this all the time like it's a way for them to have a certain level of privilege that they can weaponize against other women that's how like the hashtag girl boss type of thing came about where it just became about like women doing these like multi-level marketing schemes and like where it's based on their looks etc and then like not really walking the walk when it comes to actually empowering women by any type of means or they just want to like look and sound like a feminist but not actually make any real tangible change and those types of women tend to get elevated within institutions that have men at the, at the helm of them, right? You have a lot of women that talk feminist, so to speak, but like ultimately they're in it for themselves. They don't see women as a class. And that's the difference between like liberal feminism and radical feminism where, and when we were talking to Dr. Gail. By the way, I realize what kind of hell the listening to this is, but it's still better than the Oscars. Times what she said, uh, very similarly, like there's a certain level of feminists. They're always like, I got mine and fuck the rest of my sisters, right? And then like, I think conservatives are a little bit more open about the fact that they're like that. Although like they look at it more like from the perspective of like marriage, where like a lot of these women like to be, they get leadership roles in the sense of like, they're the PTA mom and they have this and they have that. They want their kids to have the best and they want their family to have the best. They don't really care about 
women outside of their group. I just think that tendency for women who are at the top of the hierarchy, whether it's class privilege or beauty privilege, to weaponize it against the West of women is why we don't get anywhere. And then the women at the bottom, the women who don't have those things, sometimes they're a little bit overzealous because of like the shitty women who are like that. And then like they attack any woman who they think might be a threat because they think she's attractive or she has this. And so she's automatically going to be against me and she's automatically going to be a problem. They just like look at a woman and they find excuses to tear her down immediately. Right. So like those two factions are all sounds like women are the problem. Always warring with each other. That's what it's feeling like, right? Who are the ones oppressing all of us? Yes. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I think pretty privilege is really like the the crux of like maybe a lot of feminist fights or perceived pretty privilege. Because again, like I feel like the people who don't experience pretty, pretty privilege, they vastly overestimate the benefits and they don't seem to realize the hazards that are associated with it or they minimize those hazards. And so that causes them to just feel less and less, you know, there's this belief like, oh, if you know, this sort of fight the power thing, oh, if you have more power than me, if you have more privileges than me, then it's okay for me to attack you. But then it just, again, it just creates that infighting within women. And it also takes up the nuance that pretty is subjective. There are people that will look at Beyonce and say she's not attractive. Like, it's not a one and done thing but it's actually true like there's not um, I remember Anthony Joshua who was like a really hot boxer in the UK he was accused of sleeping with Amir Khan's wife so Amir Khan was a fellow boxer and his wife is you know your typical I guess Instagram baddie almost she's had a lot of plastic surgery like hair extensions a lot and he basically Anthony Joshua was like yeah now nah, I prefer BBWs and everyone lost their minds over it yeah so he was like <laughs> and this is if you google Anthony Joshua like he is and I would say a very, very attractive man. He's very tall. He's very rich. And even he was like, I prefer BBW. So it's just like this whole concept of even pretty and attractive is highly subjective anyway. All right. Yeah, is there a photo, one photo of Anthony Joshua with BBWs, anybody? That's true. I'm watching. I'm looking. Actually, both Amir and Anthony Joshua are quite handsome. Yeah, his wife is very thin. Your typical Instagram baddie, right? Basically. Insta baddie look, yeah. And he was like, yeah, now nah, I prefer BBWs, LOL. Eyelashes to the gods, LOL. darling. LOL. <laughs> So yeah, it is subjective. And also you can age out of it. That's the other thing. That's the other elephant in the room is that you can age out of your pretty privilege. And so the women whose entire power... Oh, we got to be careful with this because when we talk about the episode where I said like, oh, some of these toxic queen bees, they age out of being fuckable. For some reason, like a bunch of women over 40 took that as like me saying you know, women over a certain age are objectively unattractive. I don't think that. I think there's a lot of beautiful women of all ages, right? My grandma's like almost... I think that all women are beautiful. 90 and she still has suitors, right? Okay, so your attractiveness as a woman doesn't end like when you get older. Still has suitors at 90? This shit never ends, huh, boys? It's just fucking still always going out. I'm saying is we're talking about like what males idealize and males... Under, Under the rules of patriarchy, yeah. Under the rules of patriarchy, yeah, like men do favor younger women, unfortunately. Like that's just the reality of it. But also like the older you get, the less men are older than you, right? Like so... A lot of guys what? are into milk though and cougars. So I mean, there's that. Milfs and cougars, but I'm just saying like, if you think of the average company, I don't know what the average age of like a person who's like the CEO of a company, they're probably going to be like somewhere in their 40s or 50s. So like if you end up in your 40s and 50s, then there's just not as many men. It's like there's, if you're 20, then there's like, there's men who are 30 years older than you all along those type that have power, et cetera. If you're 40, there's not as many men who are like 50 to 70, right? Or like 40 to 70. So it's like, to me, like you don't necessarily stop being beautiful, so to speak, so much as that like the population on the other side of your age and the upper age becomes smaller than the population that's younger than you. So that's just, that's just what happens. It doesn't mean like you're suddenly you, like ugly. It just means that like, uh, you know, kids want to date kids. People tend to date older people. than average. Is that what you're trying to say? People their own age. And also men die younger, right? So as a woman, the older you get, the smaller your dating pool. If you're looking for men the same age as you, because yeah, again, men die younger. So yeah. My point about like aging out of pretty privilege Big is for the ladies. Have, all of your power is dependent on a man. It's going to be dependent on how long he can maintain that power and how long you can maintain, you can be associated with him. If you get divorced, which a lot of people do, like wealthy people, if you get divorced, then it's kind of like Jacqueline. I keep like referencing shows. People watch all of these shows on Netflix, but it's like Jacqueline from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, right? Like all of her power in that high powered society came through her husband. And now she has a little bit of money from the settlement. 
but like she can't necessarily like right away use her pretty privilege she has to use her class privilege and she has to like rely on the money that she got from him to try to start her own agency to get back into that social circle because it's gonna be harder to be a power couple have you already had your kids and you've already been divorced and you've already got, like gotten your money you essentially like can age out of a certain what situation are they even where talking about you're able to weaponize being beautiful to like on other women and be queen being in the office like if you're no longer with that man okay so <sighs> i think to like start to wrap up this episode and like couch it i think we did a good discussion about the drawbacks of pretty privilege it does exist to a certain extent but also comes with like some severe caveats but i also thought it'd be good to talk about perceived class privilege can actually be for a woman who's like not necessarily has quote-unquote pretty privilege how that can actually does sometimes have some benefits I think generally in the privilege discussion, whether it's race or attractiveness, like class isn't spoken about anywhere near enough and got such a huge impact on people's trajectories, regardless of if they're white or if they're black or if they're attractive or if they're not. That's just not really spoken about. Yeah. So for me, especially like going from being working class to like going to white collar jobs, like I had to learn all the like basic bitch white collar job language <laughs> and grooming, et cetera, that I didn't know before. I Maybe I shouldn't say basic bitch. I had to learn all <laughs> <laughs> when I say basic bitch, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like someone no. who like shops at like Tory Burch, right? And <laughs> and it's also the stuff that you couldn't afford to do before as well, you know? Yeah, I couldn't afford to do it. Maybe I shouldn't call them basic bitches. But like the pumpkin spice latte drinking, Ray Dunn, like it's become like a trope where like there's an image that certain like middle class, mostly white women who come from like specific types of educated backgrounds, that's how they look a certain way, which is like a world of difference from a person who comes from my background came from. So like one of the things that I had you to- You guys don't like- learn was how to Lattes? physically like change my wardrobe and my dress that I fit in with this environment but also looked authentic to myself and this is when we talk and that's where a lot of people who are not of that demographic talk about like how hard it is to be like be professional and there's been controversies well I mean the thing is with professional clothing is they kind of give you a pretty narrow set of things you can wear about like different types of hairstyles that are appropriate for work because if you don't look a certain way you know if you don't have like straight long hair you know, that's always like considered the most professional, but if you have curly hair, you know, obviously if you have kinky coily hair, if you have natural hair, what kind of things you have to do to look a certain way to get that privilege. So like you can be really pretty, but you'll never get access if you don't have certain class signifiers, which is really hard to understand and swallow unless you've been part of that circle. Yeah. This is also part of the reason why like when I was on recruitment panels, I would always disregard what the candidate was wearing. Unless it was like deeply inappropriate or offensive or they came like naked or something. But if they weren't dressed in a suit and a tie or a business suit, it wouldn't count against them in my mind because that shit's expensive. But all those sorts of factors, it's now common for that to potentially work against you if you're not dressed properly for an interview. But we don't think, well, actually, the candidate even afford to dress well for an interview. We don't think about that sort of... I guess, class oppression enough as well. I mean, what kind of job are we talking about here? Because, like, obviously, I feel like you could, if you want to suit, like, you know, you don't have anything. Obviously, if you're, like, totally destitute and homeless, that's one thing. But I can't imagine she's applying, she or she's, like, uh, the gatekeeper for jobs like this. I feel like she's in some sort of, you know, corporate environment where, like, the person who's applying, you know, I don't know. I feel like you go to, like, some... Uh, thrift stop store and get something that looks half decent and it's very real and part of it is because so many of the like white collar jobs especially if they have a public facing aspect to it like if you work sales or you work consulting or you work finance or you work something where you're interacting with people all of the time they want you to be perceived as an authority and they want to project the image of success and like as a woman they want you to look like a trophy or as a person who is someone who could be a fox news anchor yeah, exactly. They want you to look a certain way because they want that class privilege for it. They want you to look... But like they want the guy to look the same thing as well, don't they? Like, don't they just want 
you know, the guys to be wearing nice suits. You're above the other people they're basically trying to sell things to or scam, right? So that's what I'm saying, like the pretty privileged aspect of it. And you'll see stuff like this with women that have like, have multi-level marketing schemes or Tupperware, or like even Mary Kay to a certain extent. Like, you know, they want you to project that I'm being successful for Mary Kay. So they want you to dress a certain way. They want you to look a certain way. They put a certain amount of products. Well, I mean, if you're trying to, if you're in sales, it's just kind of a logical thing. If you're in sales and the person who's selling you something doesn't look like they're doing particularly well in life, then you're just, you, your kind of antennas go up. You're like, well, what's going on here? Like, if this is such a great product and you're so good at selling it, why are you doing so poorly? It's to give you like a certain level of class privilege and uh, perceived privilege over other women. So it's like just being pretty, quote unquote, isn't necessarily just the key to like a successful, like, like the class markers and the ability to afford the things, like you belong to a certain social circle and a certain economic demographic actually becomes a lot more important because overall you don't see men like going to Walmart and like trying to clean up a girl who works at the checkout aisle, right? And that's like where I'm saying the pretty privilege thing is so- What? Is she trying to say that guys are not hitting on women who work at Walmart? Limited. That's why you see a lot of women now trying to like invest in their Instagram. And like, if you're wearing Fashion Nova, you're probably not going to be in that circle. They start buying fake designer bags though. Like, why do you think the fake designer movement is so, the fake designer market is so big? I support fake designer, honestly. I think, fuck those companies. Why are you charging $5,000 for a purse? Honestly, if they can make the same exact purse in China for like, uh, $30, (laughs) you know, pennies and then charge you $200 for it instead, honestly, good for you. I I I support that. I support scamming these or undercutting these companies for rich people. Fuck them. Agreed. The knockoffs are probably being made in the same factory and then someone's sneaking it out and selling it for slightly above cost because there's no scarcity in half of these bags. It's all class privilege. It's all luxury privilege. Yeah, like Louis Vuitton like burns their merchandise instead of, you know, selling it on clearance because they don't want poor people to have it, you know? So I actually support the fake designer market for that exact reason. Yeah, fuck the rich. I think it does exist. This is my closing argument. I think pretty privilege does exist. Like uh, Ro and Lith have pointed out, ultimately, you know, women who are attractive are still bound by the same you know, patriarchal constructs and oppression as women who are who are not deemed conventionally attractive. So ultimately, we're still all in the same pit of shit together. I agree. Yeah, my closing argument is pretty much similar. It's like pretty privilege as a woman. It all comes down to cost-benefit analysis, like the cost of being beautiful or high. And oh, and I didn't even talk about the cost of all the actual material costs of all the beauty products, all the money I've probably spent over the course of my life on, you know, hair, makeup, nails, clothes, everything, right? The actual- Women constantly complain about this. Oh, you got to spend- No, you don't. You don't have to buy all this stuff. It's just the problem is that other women do, and then you're competing against them. So if you don't, then you're behind, but you don't have to. There's no rule that says you have to fucking buy makeup and paint your face and do all this shit. Nobody's forcing you to. You just, it, there's a kind of game theory here where if you don't do it, well, then everybody else is, and then you wind up alone. Costs of being beautiful for women are so high socially, financially, and so on. And the benefits are pretty minimal, like what? Free drinks, you get more male attention. I feel like for women, pretty privilege is very much overblown and it's more of a liability. And I keep making that argument uh, for plastic no. surgery, just the amount of women who are putting all of their life savings to get plastic surgery for minimal life benefits. Yeah. Unless you're like a celebrity, why are you getting plastic surgery? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I know. I mean, first off, like- if you are work as, say, a waitress and you get fake tits, those things probably pay for themselves pretty quickly. So it's just a lot more affordable, but like it's affordable and it looks cheap and affordable like we can t- you can tell the difference between affordable plastic surgery and celebrity plastic surgery affordable plastic surgery exactly so it's getting more affordable but it's marginally like i know that they have all this like lines of credit you can get to get certain procedures done and i'm like well first of all how are you going to pay that back working how you work now and realistically a lot of them are still dating the same types of men that they were dating before so you're not even seeing them like get a bunch you know a man who has more money so that like he could pay for your now plastic surgery that you went into debt for and it doesn't really increase their career prospects either so again it's not like the surgery will eventually pay off depends what career itself 
Unless they're like legitimately a sex worker or a stripper. And also sex workers have even said it doesn't really change how much they can charge for because, you know, most other strippers and sex workers have had some form of surgery. Like, because the the field is so saturated, if a guy wants the BBL look, he can easily get it. And oftentimes he can find a woman who is going to be cheaper than somebody who thinks that they can, you know, whack on an extra thousand dollars just because they've got silicon in their tits now. Like, it doesn't even guarantee that. Facts. <laughs> it's true. And the cost of your health is really, really high. So once again, yeah, like, but the fact that if you don't do it, there's still that girl who is. So you got no choice. Really. Pretty privilege has its limits. The pressure to be pretty costs a lot and doesn't necessarily give you tangible benefits or power in the real world. And it exists as a entity in which like women can weaponize it against each other to keep men in power. So both the yes. women who feel unattractive, who just immediately, you know, antagonize and ostracize women who they perceive to get more attention from men, from them, uh, cough themselves. And then also the women who are like thinking that their power in proximity to a man and then use that to weaponize against women who are less attractive or have less privilege than they are. So in conclusion, in conclusion. what do you want to say? Pretty privilege is a thing, but it's not the thing you think. Yeah, the costs are higher, the benefits are minimal. And instead of fighting over pretty privileged ladies, the benefits are minimal. Let's just all come together and realize we're all being fucked by the patriarchy and overthrow it as a team. Let's go. Fact. Yeah. Let's stop giving men's opinion so much airtime, which is essentially what- Time's up, patriarchy. Debate is about, ultimately. Yeah, exactly. I love how these women pretend, they go, oh, we don't care about men's opinions. Like, they they basically go between, oh, we, we uh, you forced us to wear all this makeup, and then they're like, no, we only wear makeup because it just makes us feel better, and we don't even do it for men, but then- but then when the cost comes up, they're like, no, we do it because you men force us to and we have no choice. All right. And that's our show. If you want to debate us on this, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com. I'm good. That's been episode 76, everybody, of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast. Look at us. We thought we were starting on 74 and now we're already on our way to 77 because we've been skipping. We skipped a couple along the way. Uh, all right. That was... Uh, that was episode uh, 76. Now we're on to episode 77, I believe. Why? Oh, man. It's so weird that for that one episode, they decided to put the episode number. It's like, I feel like they're almost doing this just to fuck with me, even though they're not. I don't actually think that. But uh, episode, that was episode 76. We are now on to episode 77 of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast. Also, why do I do this? Someone says, you don't want to pay for their Patreon. Why would that be? Yeah, I don't want to pay for their Patreon. What the fuck would I get? This is enough. This is more than enough. I mean, every week that I come back here to do this, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? What am I doing here? But I'm a man of my word. I started something. I'm going to finish it, I guess. Um, Yeah, I guess I am. So we are uh we're catching up though with this episode was from six months ago so we're we are catching up what honestly i don't even like to think about what's going to happen once i catch up this might be the end of this whole thing once i catch up to be honest not really the end but it might lose some of its luster i don't know because some of the episodes are just duds you know real duds real duds but the last one wasn't some of them actually they've been okay all right episode 77 female dating strategy podcast the double standards against men that are completely justified. These are were, these are in favor of the double standards, I suppose, which you would expect. Let's hit it. What's up, What's up Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. And today, this Lilith. episode is going to be on double standards between men and women. This might be controversial, 
But personally, I think FDS was built upon this principle as well. We are not interested in being equal or in quotation marks fair with men. The problem is when a disadvantaged group tries to be equal and fair to the dominant group, they are only further disadvantaging themselves. This is the reason why in the UK we have things like the positive action. Now, what positive action is, it's a provision in the Equality Act of 2010 that allows uh, companies and organisations to adopt initiatives that advance the interest and progression of a disadvantaged group. So let's say you have... I believe they're talking about affirmative action, is what they, but they call it positive action. A recruitment campaign, and you have a white candidate who scores exactly the same as a black candidate. Under UK law, it's perfectly legal for, you know, for the organisation to hire the black candidate under positive action. It's not the same as positive discrimination because, I mean, for it to be... Po- First off, why would you not be able to like if all things are the same why would you not be able to hire the black candidate positive action the organizational company needs to prove that that particular group so for example black people or women they are at a disadvantage in the workforce so similarly speaking all of these are technically not double standards you know what we're going to go through it's more positive action because every metric shows that women are at a disadvantage in society and are at an even bigger disadvantage when they choose to have relationships with men Yeah, I find in general, in feminist discussions, whenever you say that the goal is equality with men and you try to address any kind of existing inequality, the guys on Twitter and shit, they're always like, well, what if the genders were reversed? Or what if the roles were swapped or whatever? I don't care. Yeah, like, oh, that's sexist against men. Thinking that men are more likely to be rapists is sexist against men. That's discrimination. Like, it's not, it's discrimination. Guys, are we saying that, that it's sexist when men are more likely to be rapists? Obviously they are let me you know have this or that job where i have access to vulnerable minor girls and stuff or whatever right i don't give a shit like (laughs) just the thing like stop caring exactly like i mean i want to be clear i personally i lilith am a female supremacist that does not represent the views of all of fds fds we are about prioritizing women and maximizing female benefit i take it to the next level with female supremacy i think that women are inherently just cognitively better than men i think we're actually just better and that superiority needs to be taken into account when you're interacting with men and plus you know the usual like men are more violent more prone to violent outbursts and stuff like that so for example i think it's okay for women to use emotional manipulation on men to keep ourselves safe but when men use emotional manipulation on women that's unethical that's just like about putting yourself first right so that's double standard one little freebie double standard i just threw out there (laughs) and women also have to remember like especially the equality feminists in quotation marks it's like men are not interested in being equal with women as much as they like to say that as a gotcha they're not interested they want to maintain the status quo and the social order that says men are better on a look there's nothing wrong with being a female supremacist or a male supremacist more advantage than women so remember that this is why i'm just like i've stopped caring women are like it's not fair to men I'm like so what it's not been fair to women for centuries and the reason why things are now unfair in quotation marks to men is because of the system that they've set up and the fact that women are now saying no and rebelling against it and actually taking their own interests into account for that it's not even unfair it's it's more fair it's just not them unilaterally having control anymore and they still have a lot of control exactly so it's just them you know reacting to the fact that they can't get women based on oppression anymore or not oppression to the extent of their forefathers. Because they're still, women are still oppressed in some respects. Agreed. So I wanted to make a point about double standards as well. Like, people think that they are universally a bad thing, and I disagree with that. So an example I'll use is, it wouldn't be reasonable or make sense for me to shut down, like, you know, Westfield Shopping Centre for me to go shopping because I'm not a celebrity who gets hounded every time I step outside of my house. That would be disproportionate, but it would make sense for a big celebrity. I don't know who's a big celebrity in my head, but it would make more sense for them to do that because there's a possibility that they would get hounded or potentially harmed. So double standards exist in society. What? That's your example? Is you think it's okay for them to shut down a mall for a celebrity because it'll cause a scene? 
And some of them are for very, very good reason. So don't like let the term double standard put you off because some double standards should exist because there's a reason for them to exist, as we'll go through in this episode. I think all of these double standards in this episode are perfectly justified, by the way. I might be biased, but I hope you agree by the end of it. I okay. might be biased. Do you think you might be biased, Savannah? Off with like an FDS classic. What's the one that, that always gets us in trouble, ladies? I think the one that men should pay for dates all the time. Even if the woman asks him out, he should still pay for it. Yeah. So this Whoa, is not if the woman asks him men. out. What if she's like gross though and he's not? And with feminists, hilariously enough, because the feminists are like, no, like, you know, equality, like women should take turns paying for dates, you know? Oh, I don't want to feel like I owe him sex at the end of it. Like whatever. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you don't owe him sex at the end of it. And the fact that you feel like you owe him sex if he pays for your date is like, maybe question why you feel that way, sis. That's on you. That's something you need to work through if you really care about feminism. No, to be fair, it's because men do act entitled. They go online and they rage, but they also start to pressure women in real life situations. So a lot of women feel like, okay, I don't want to do anything that's going to cause the man to pressure me into sex later. And they equate that with allowing a man to pay for dates for them. The problem with that is, is that like men will use any excuse out there possible to justify why they're entitled to sex they're still gonna try to fuck you sis even if you pay exactly you know they're still gonna find something else to manipulate. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate is if she pays and then you get laid nice that's, that's that's feminism that's that's what i'm saying so what's happening is we're losing ground it's what we burned our bras for and we're losing ground because we're allowing men to assert that they're entitled to sex if they pay and we don't push back on that and we don't like assert to them that like no they're not entitled to sex just because they pay and also walk away from the situation when we start to get uncomfortable look so the idea i'm there are no shortage of men who have paid for women's for meals they've gone out and didn't get sex and they were just like yeah that's the sucks but you know it happens is that in this particular situation it's okay to apply the double standards because quite frankly women are much more of a disadvantage every time we go on a date with men both in terms of like risk and this is like old school canon fds right both in terms of just like overall safety risk as well as like the amount of prior grooming we have to do to put into women make less oh boo yeah. nobody's fucking forcing well you to do the this opportunity shit. cost versus men right so it's not even really that it's a that they're losing anything it's more like they're balancing the risk between men and women by actually paying for the date so i think the no. idea is that for us is when we have to get comfortable with being Look, if you don't go get dolled up some other lady will just like if that guy doesn't take you out some other guy will it's just this is free markets ladies. uncomfortable or getting more comfortable with telling men to fuck off once they start asserting that they're entitled to sex for any given reason like just the payment thing is just one of many excuses but like what keeps happening in the culture is the bar keeps getting lower because women start to feel like cowed into acquiescing to men's demands when it's like it's better to pre-vet them make sure that they're the type of guy that's comfortable with paying rather than wasting your time going on a date with them in the first place and then sitting there in this like high pressure sales scenario that they're trying to put on you because they uh, had messed up expectations in the first place yeah, exactly. Like, I liked what you said about how it's like seeding ground. It's like losing ground because, ladies, we've got to have a counterattack. Like, you know, we need to regain this lost ground. Like, I know this can be really hard for women to wrap their mind around, but like, there are going to be times where you go on a date and he pays for it and he's going to act entitled to sex whether he pays for it or not, right? But if you go into the date with the attitude like, oh, if he pays for it, then I owe him something, men will latch on to anything. If they are trying to manipulate you into sex, they will latch on to anything. Yeah, it could be even the fact that you said yes, as in like, agree to meet him. Yeah. Exactly. So like, here's the thing, like men can sniff out vulnerabilities and weaknesses, like predatory men, especially they're very good at sniffing out vulnerabilities and weaknesses. If you go into that date with this sort of like sheepish kind of like attitude, like, oh, I don't know if I pay for it, then I may owe him something like he will sense that. And that's exactly what he's going to latch onto. So what you need to do is mentally strengthen yourself. You need to go. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like <laughs> the early phases of dating with a man that you don't know that well, it's like preparing for battle. Like you got to go into there preparing a sort it of is. like mental. Honestly, Jesus. that's why a lot of women get tired. You know, mental fortitude. Like if the guy pays for it and starts acting entitled to sex, you just got a lot of men, women get tired. 
laugh in his face and it's gonna feel scary and honestly i might actually get murdered someday by a guy after laughing uh, first off this whole thing where they're like they act like just women are getting murdered left right and center like it's probably pretty rare that women are going out on dates and getting murdered yes women probably do get murdered like but like going out on dates and getting murdered probably not happening way less Space. Like, <laughs> yeah. First off, women are more likely to get murdered by their spouse. It's like that's who's murdering women. It's like it's after years of dates, and then they finally get to know each other, and then they probably live together, and then they just can't take it anymore. But trust me, I haven't been murdered yet, and most of the time the guy's just like taken aback and like embarrassed or whatever. So I do this all the time, and I've never been in danger. So I mean, I highly recommend ladies try it. Yeah, you have no, you'll, you won't stop talking about how in danger you are, though, even though you just admitted you're not in danger. <laughs> you gotta build up your audacity <laughs> reserve so you can be on Lilith's level. You just be like, get yeah, on my level. Build, get on my level of audacity. More women need to have audacity. Okay, so say you're actually legitimately scared for your safety. You can pay, but then you know never to see that person again, yeah. period. That's the thing. If you're genuinely scared for your safety, if you think that him paying for the date would genuinely put you in danger, why the fuck are you going on a date with this guy? Like, never see him again, if that's the sense that you get. Yeah. Okay. Again, that's just your, in your brain that you think that, probably because you listen to this podcast on our own. Okay, so this is yes. my uh, Savannah's double standard. So this one is... I don't see uh, body counts on men. I hate that term body count. Is there a better word to use? Or the number of sexual partners somebody has had. That's a more PC way to say it. In men and women the same. So I don't take into account a woman's uh, number of sexual partners at all. But I absolutely consider the number of sexual partners that a man has had and make judgments accordingly. This is because, you know, first of all, a woman... Well, you don't date women. So what the fuck do you care? Yeah, you're on team woman, obviously. And who has has had a high number of sexual partners statistically speaking a good number of those were likely she was either coerced um she could have been trafficked and basically she did <laughs> basically so this amanda if she's like how many women have you been with you're like i don't know 20 and she's like hmm well based on my math that's six rapes at least you are a serial raper sent to it but when we look at a man's um, number of sexual partners like given the prevalence of sexual violence in society that is commonly perpetrated by men i just don't believe a man with a high body count so to speak that every single sexual interaction that he's had has been entirely consensual or free from coercion or deception <laughs> meaning that you know it could potentially range from that is crazy outright rape which some men have actually admitted <laughs> to me before like men i've been dating before or it can be that deception men who who she's dated have been like yeah you know where they use you know sex or they dangle the promise of a relationship to the woman and just extract as much sex as they can from her which is still deceptive in my book so that's why i don't see them in the same way and i haven't actually met a guy who is promiscuous who has a healthy attitude towards women and sex i just haven't met them and i'm not talking about like the 30 ish i'm talking like she was in a fucking bdsm thing she is like in that world, in the kink BDSM world, and she's uh, triple digits, like mid triple digits, something that is extremely high. I haven't met a healthy, well-adjusted male with that body count who has a healthy attitude. Yeah, so that's another thing I completely agree with Savannah. I think that the higher a man's body count, the more likely it is that he's a rapist, or at the very least, a gray <laughs> rapist. You know, things like where he's like, a yeah, gray rapist, <laughs> pressured women. I guess you could say a rapist, or you know, pretended to be in love with her just to get sex and then bounce, like you know, all the the classic like shitty male tactics that they use to to get in a woman's pants, right? If I'm being honest, like up until I found FDS, <laughs> probably like forty to fifty percent of all the times that I had sex with a man was like a traumatic experience, or you know, Jesus something that Christ. I was either manipulated into either like it was traumatic before, during, or after <laughs> the sexual experience. You know, even if the sex itself was good, like the way he treated me after, and so on, made me feel like really shitty, right? And so I don't blame women who have a higher body count because yeah, like a lot of times that women have sexual contact, I should say, is rape or you know sexual abuse or coerced or manipulated out of them, or just straight up not enjoyable for them. As 
as well. Like, or it's just not enjoyable. Exactly. Like, yeah, men have to put a lot more effort to get sex. And so the fact that if a man has a really high body count, it means he's spending a lot of time and effort on getting sex, which is time that he could have been spent doing other things like self-improvement and stuff. So, so basically, honestly, maybe the one thing I will agree with her about there. A lot of time, that. basically uh, manipulating women. Like, let's be real, especially if he's having a lot of sex. Exactly. Like, they're highly experienced at manipulating women, yeah. Whereas a woman with a high body count, she's just a woman who's been probably manipulated a lot, and I wouldn't blame her for that. She's a victim. You heard it here first. Sluts are victims. Let me reiterate that, because there are guys that I know that have high body counts that are extremely mid. And so it's interesting because there's always this perception that every guy that has a high body count is like this alpha chad, like the women's panties just drop in their presence. And that's just not true. There's a lot of these like mid guys who are just extremely, extremely good at manipulation. And charming, yeah. Or they're pussy scavengers, meaning like they deliberately look for vulnerable women or they pay for it or they're uh, the type of guys that frequent prostitutes. So- I mean, first off, if you're on a date with a chick and then she's like, what's your body count? And you're including all the prostitutes you've been to? that case it's like it's Guys. usually indicative of their type of personality like there's no way that every woman that they're manipulating into bed is a woman that like is all the way there right like you get to the point where with some guys they're I mean, very very skilled at manipulating vulnerable women but they're not actually but they're not actually attractive in any type of way which i think is a big gap in the understanding between and actually to double back on that point like that's what a lot of the red pill tactics were for a very long time and they should have lost their effectiveness uh thank god because of things like fgs but for a long time it was just about how to like, quote unquote, game or manipulate women into bed most of these guys were extremely extremely mid and most of their tactics were just emotional abuse and figuring out how to pick the weak girls off in the pack right the girls that were lonely the girls that were like separated from their friends it was with quote-unquote daddy issues yeah daddy issues like uh all of them how to triangulate women who are groomed or primed for that due to traumatic backgrounds <laughs> it's literally teaching these extremely mid guys to recognize and pick the weakest women from the pack to have sex and so it worked quote unquote for a certain number of men which is why it took off because they realized like oh this is successful and this can be successful in a way but it's obviously highly unethical so when we talk about the guys with high body counts and they don't look i mean they don't look like a, a professional athlete or a model or somebody like if they're not like a legitimately high status guy that women are gonna every day throw themselves at the guy hmm. um, and even then that comes with its own there's the guys that are at that level where they're either extreme, I mean, extreme do you think all guy chicks are like super high status like that like maybe their body counts high because they just Take whatever. Attractive or they're like extremely, extremely. I mean, that's why they're on a date with you right now. Wealthy or something like that. They're pro athlete level. That's like one level. And then there's a bunch of these mid guys that like constantly have sex, but it's a different situation. They're they're almost like the equivalent of a cult leader, which is quite different. So I think recognizing that and understanding that like the way a man sexually interacts with women and since the vast majority of men that you meet are mid, if he has a lot of high body count, it's, it's an extreme red flag that he has some of these other behaviors. I want to just differentiate between the mid guys with a high body count versus like the mid guys who women are attracted to, but they end up in relationships with those women right like they end up in long term because so much of their lifespan is spent in like long-term committed relationships their body count might not be as high but they're still very successful with women because you know women like them they're friendly charming and so on right we're talking about the mid guys that are like yeah they don't get any repeat customers because they manipulate women into sex that's traumatic and then they have to start at square one every single time they're looking for sex yeah those guys are being thrown that's back tough. in the pool yeah <laughs> that's part of why they're fighting against that's actually really interesting because like when i was like dating around i often when i was in my naive stages i never saw guys who had a lot of casual sex that way i sort of almost saw it through like the red pill lens that they must it must mean that they're more desirable but looking back these men that i was talking well i mean yeah it, it helps you know women oftentimes are trying to it's a tough decision for them but when they see other women they just assume that those women have done the vetting 
on their behalf. They would drop little hints that they were basically being thrown back into the pool. So they'll say something like, oh, oh, we just, you know, for example, stop talking. And I'm just thinking, if you're out, I mean, surely like a general like concept of business is that it's easier to retain new customers than it is to attract new business, right? So if a guy is just out for sex with a woman, right, why would they just randomly, you know, quit talking to each other and it'd be a- Yeah, but sometimes you can only come with new business. Mutual thing. What likely happened is that she ghosted him. Yeah, she realized he's for the streets. Yeah, she ghosted him, but they'll frame it as, oh, we just stopped talking. Or he's one of those guys where, you know, the whole post, he chases a woman and then they have sex with her and loses interest. But here's the thing, though, like, I mean, these men, they'd say I had sex with her like a few times. So I'm thinking you clearly wanted like a stable fuck buddy, but she ghosted you. Yeah. Or like he wasn't providing her with emotional needs or wasn't good in bed or whatever. Yeah. And it could be mutual. I mean, I think most of them are actually being thrown back in the pool because the sex is very rapey. And one-sided often, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially if they're extra mid. That's the scary thing because... Extra I, mid. I feel like the mid guys are the most dangerous because you expect the more attractive men to have more options and you, you're a little bit more on guard. I think the mid guys are very, very good at getting women's guards down because... Shout out to the mid. Why are they calling them mid? You have all these terms for them. What are they? Low-value males? Like, what, Are they not even on this scale? The scrotes? What are they? Why are they mid now? You don't think of them as a threat because you're like, this... Mid as fuck. They literally have their own nomenclature. I couldn't possibly be <laughs> a scrape. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. Scrape, right. Oh, okay. And then when like you have sex with him, and then you realize like, oh no, he's absolutely like everything about him is very superficial, and the charm that he put on before we had sex or before you know we were interacting is just like for the sole purpose of sex because he has usually it's a, a massive ego problem, like some kind of hole that he needs to fill by manipulating women. Oh, he women. has a hole he needs to fill. Statistic supply. It's usually those guys who, you know, depending on what kind of narcissist they are, they're like massively insecure. So like they have to keep getting women and actively on purpose disrespecting said women because they're trying to prove their so-called dominance or they're just, instead of being insecure, they're just sociopaths. Like there's the other type of narcissist that it's just about like the duper's delight kind of thing where they enjoy that. And it's not them trying to fill a hole so much as like they enjoy the chase and they enjoy the, they're, they're sadists. They enjoy, Honestly, like, really just disappointing that they keep saying he has to fill a hole and they're not even going to make a joke about it. Like they just don't see it. It's in front of their fucking face. Disrespecting women and making them feel bad. So yeah, like I think you just have to watch out for that. Yeah. Hey, so another double standard. Bro, did you have a not doing physical labor one? Oh, hell yeah. This is my biggest double standard. I don't do physical labor. So and I don't care because I'm like, if you're bigger than me and it's going to take you a fraction of the time, it just makes more sense for the man to do it. I agree completely. Men exist to <laughs> men exist to do the brute force like labor. Yeah, the heavy lifting for women. I can do, I can lift and I can do the heavy lifting. But for me, I just enjoy the sort of power. Yeah, I thought your whole thing is you're a big lifter doing squats in the squat rack, doing the deadlift. Getting a guy to do that for me. Like, even though I can do it, I just like to delegate that task. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, in fact, it kills my sexual attraction to a man if he lets me do physical labor. And I'm like, you're just going to sit on your ass and watch me do that. I don't know what that is, but there's something inside of me that just like flames up. It becomes enraged when like, a man lets me do, lets me struggle with something that I know he could do very, very easily physically. Right. I mean, the problem is he's only letting you do it because you're like, no, let me do it. I can do it. And he's like, can I just do it? It'll take a second. She's like, no, I could do it. And then he's like, oh, fine, do it then. And then they do it. And she's like, how could you let me do it? I'm not this? saying push me out of the way and like be a jerk about it. But at the same time, if I'm trying to reach something on a shelf and maybe it's because I had a boyfriend that did this like he was very very tall so he was like a foot taller than me and so there's times where like I was really trying to reach something and I felt like he would just stand there and watch me on purpose like <laughs> watch me try to reach it and then at some point it just felt embarrassing like okay so you're gonna watch me struggle that you're a lot taller than me why don't you just like you know extend your big <sighs> long hands up there and grab it for me and so I feel like it's a red flag when a man watches you struggle especially if they you know unless you're guys, like, a, like shorter than you maybe but for the most part if you're dating men and they're uh, taller than you and they don't doing automatically that instinctively do physical labor for you i think that's a red flag and i'm totally fine with that double standard i'm not gonna doing physical labor for him but if he lets me do physical labor without jumping in honestly 
I think it's hot as fuck when men do manual labor, though. Yes, exactly. Win-win. Like, one of the things I like about my boyfriend is that he knows basic carpentry and stuff. I didn't know this about him before, like, before we started dating. And then when I found out that he knew how to do basic carpentry, that was, like, an immediate turn on. And so sometimes I'll just be like, oh, my gosh, like, something's broken in my house. Like, can you come over? Like, I don't even have to say that it's broken. I'll just, like, it's like I'm opening or closing a door and it's not closing properly or it's, like, slightly off-center. He'll be like, oh, hold on. Let me go get my toolbox and, like, rejig the hinges and shit. Uh, rejig all the hinges and shit. And I'm just like, sploosh. That's just so fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me fix your doorknob. It's not closing properly. I'm like, oh my God, that's like the hottest thing ever. These are all things that could have been fixed with a piece of sandpaper and a screwdriver. And these chicks are that impressed, huh? <laughs> I agree. So like watching a man perform manual labor, fix things for you is actually a turn on. And a man who does not do that is an automatic turn off. And like I said, any man who has let me do yeah, it. Yeah, again, it's the same reason why having a guy with a bunch of money and status is just he can provide for you and take care of you. you it, it's usually like a power and control thing. They enjoy watching you struggle. Yeah. yeah. Struggle. I'm like, you see me up here trying to reach the top shelf like a child. Like, why are you sitting here just watching? I feel like they want me to feel infantile in that moment. Like, if he doesn't automatically jump off of his ass, he better jump off his fucking ass and like, you know... <laughs> He better be begging to help you or like, you know, insisting on help you. Because if he's, yeah, that's so bizarre to watch you struggle like that. Like, it is gross. I feel like they do it to make you feel infantile, to make you feel less than in that moment. Or to like, I mean, again, you. there's probably been many discussions where you're like, I could do it. Don't men, women can do anything men can do. And he's like, can I help you? you? Go, no. And you have your own physical inferiority. It feels like a power move. That's what it feels like to me. Absolutely. And it's not even just about physical labor as well. If he has like a skill that, you know, you're deficient in and you need help with and he doesn't help for you, yeah, that's great. So oftentimes I've used Orbiters as like translators for me when I just didn't want to use Google. And I actually found that was a really good test as well because obviously, you know, a scrote, like I was dating a guy and he would just say, yeah, just Google translate it. But the other guys would always be like, do you want me to translate it for you? And I'm like, yes, please. And they love that. They love feeling useful. If I said thank you as well, they would do like a little emoji smile and that was it. You can tell men don't get thanked very often as well. So use that to your advantage, ladies. <laughs> They're not told they're useful very often. <laughs> yeah, and again, rad fans would be, the feminist Twitter would be like, it's probably going to be super pissed at us for being like, oh my gosh, you're reinforcing traditional gender roles. And it's like, yeah. I don't care. At this point, I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't care. Sit, I want to sit up on my throne as the queen, you know, like an empress observing her kingdom, you know. And also, why should I apologize if people are making my life easier? Like, that's just like saying, like, you know, the person who invented the car has, you know, set back civilization because it will become lazier, which, yes, is true. But on the whole, he's made everybody's lives easier. So, like, why would I be sorry for that? Like, men exist to do manual labor for us, and I will not apologize for that. They exist to help women. You're not a real feminist unless you're a struggle mule constantly working and doing everything yourself. A struggle mule. <laughs> Yeah, I am not here for the feminism that agree with the mule part. Pretend sex differences don't exist because it's just highly delusional. And once again, most of the time when we're talking about gender neutrality, it's being weaponized against women in order to exploit us or take advantage of us or teach us to. I will agree with this. This whole like guys forever were very happy with the whole like, yeah, we men and women were different. We'll do our thing. You do your thing. And then women are like, yeah, we're the same. And the guys are like, okay. I mean, we don't believe that, but we'll let you struggle trying to pretend like it's the case. Swallow our pain or teach us or have us not pay attention while they're implementing policies that don't benefit us. So I feel like in order to create your best strategy, you have to be honest about when sex differences matter and when they don't. And this is especially true when you're looking at like a working class versus like uh, a white collar divide. A lot of times it's an interesting thing because there's a lot of times some women who are white collar workers are like, well, everything's equal and we both work jobs, et cetera. And then when you look at women who are working class, where most of the men in their demographic that they would date are working physical 
like manual labor jobs are things that are very, very physical. And so there's no there's no delusion of like physical equality when you're working class because of the fact of how gender segregated work is on the working class level versus in white collar jobs or like blue collar jobs and pink collar jobs are extremely sex segregated versus like white collar jobs, which are still a little bit sex segregated because of scrotes, but like aren't inherently don't inherently need a man or a woman to do them. So like I feel like on some level when we're talking about how we best uh, enact feminism or um, how we best like in- get relationships that benefit us, it's like you have to be honest about when sex differences matter and they do matter especially if like only one of us can have children only one of us is constantly putting ourselves at physical safety risk dealing with the opposite sex and then one of us is much stronger than the other one physically so like those are things that need to be acknowledged and then women have to pick out how they're going to make that equitable and this is what this episode's all about how do you compensate for the fact that men have serious advantages in some ways that are sex-based and you can't wave it away by like just saying oh make it gender neutral because if you make it gender neutral or pretend it doesn't exist then you're going to be in a disadvantage yeah exactly i love yeah. how these double standards go from like like somewhat inflammatory with mine to fair enough with Ro then back to super inflammatory with Lilith <laughs> we're giving you all flavours of ice we're giving you all flavours of the female supremacist ice cream today folks I hope you appreciate it yeah mm. so okay okay so my Tastes most controversial one I think this is one that actually I made a post about it like a year ago on Reddit and it went cra- and like the both the femisphere, manosphere, and like every sphere on Reddit went crazy over this one. I think it's okay for the woman to look at her man's phone to see if he's up to no good. But if a man is monitoring a woman's phone, I think that's coercive control. Because here's why. Because everyone's like, oh, if a woman monitors a man's phone, it's just it's coercive control, just the same as if a man is doing it to a woman. And Correct. I disagree for a few reasons. One, when a man is monitoring a woman's phone, the possibility for that to escalate into physical abuse is much more dangerous. Whereas like, I don't know, maybe a woman could do coercive control on a man, but you know, he's not in any physical threat or danger. And there isn't like, a whole patriarchal system look there's such a thing called weapons anybody's in physical threat at any point you know under patriarchy when men monitor a woman he has more ability to fuck up her life whereas like a woman monitoring a man doesn't really have as much of an opportunity to fuck up his life oh no a woman doesn't can't fuck and like literally you know how many guys have had everything and they've been completely undone by just some psycho chick that they've wronged patriarchy just because women have less power than men under patriarchy right secondly like when men are up to no good they tend to do like really fucked up shit okay like when women are up to no good what is she gonna do like cheat on him when a man cheats burn your fucking house down with you inside of it i don't know drown the kids i think it's worse than when a woman cheats you know he could be i don't know seeing prostitutes he could give her an std like because men in general are less trustworthy and their sexuality is more damaging, their behavior needs to be monitored and controlled for their own benefit and for the benefit of society. Whereas when <laughs> men are controlling a woman, it's like, you know, monitoring her whereabouts. It's like a handmaid's tale ship for men. It's like it could be used for stalking and so on. It could be putting her in physical danger. And I think a woman is entitled to protect herself from a man's infidelity. I don't think a man is entitled to know about the whereabouts of his, you know, his partner, his female partner at all times. I also think that female intuition okay. is a thing. Like the times when I've only snooped once on a guy's phone but I was justified in doing so because he was being booky behind my back. And I really hate how when women do that and they find something that is that the man's being shady, she sorts, like she ends up being gaslit and told that she was invading his privacy. But it's like, well, no, because if she's found something anyway, then clearly the end justifies the means. She was clearly justified in doing it, if that makes sense. Exactly. When men are monitoring a woman's phone, it's because he wants to control her. It's like mate guarding, isn't it? It's like a sort of mate guarding. It's or not even just mate guarding. Like even if she's not cheating at all and she's not even doing anything wrong at all, like it often le- escalates. That sort of behavior often does escalate into abuse, like financial abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and so on. Right? When a woman is snooping on a man's phone, it's because she wants to see if he's cheating or if he's like you know violating the relationship. Essentially, like in both cases, if it's the man monitoring the woman's phone, I consider that a violation of the relationship. If the man is like acting sketchy, he's also disrespecting the relationship. So he's wrong in both cases. What do you think, bro? Yeah, no, it comes down to generally when men want that level of control as far as like snooping on a woman's phone, it's a red flag that's among a myriad of other red flags that indicate. It's a red flag, regardless of who it's happening with. If a woman's snooping in your phone, men snooping in a woman's phone. 
red flag. This person is dangerous and might kill you. Where it's more of a psychotic. Again, it's everything always just comes back to the yes, that yes, women are more likely to get killed by men than uh, vice versa. But also, it's like it's not like this insanely common thing that's happening. Need to control a woman's whereabouts and movements. And whereas for women who snoop, it's definitely more self protective. It's just like the motivations are completely and totally different. And the end result. Not self protective. It's in their fucking DNA to be snoop. It's completely different. Completely and totally different. Often a woman ends up dead if the man is stalking her. What's the worst that's going to happen if the woman looks at the man's phone? What, she's going to break up with him? Boo fucking who? Yeah, find out who's cheating. Yeah, she's going to find out who's cheating and then dump him. Like, boo fucking who? Like, the end result is nowhere near the same. And the motivations are not the same. That's why I think that's an acceptable double standard. And then also, because of the way that law enforcement works, we did our um, episode on Jennifer's. Law enforcement often tacitly helps men stalk women and like prevents women from maintaining some kind of anonymity when they need to leave an abusive situation. Most of the time when women are trying to snoop through a phone or snoop through uh, anything to get evidence, it's a way to prove abuse, right? It's quite different. Like a lot of times it's proving abuse. A lot of it's proving coercion. Yeah, try to disprove the gaslighting. And generally, once again, a self-protective mechanism and less about trying to like control a man's every movement. Women don't have the ability to control a man's every movement the same way that men do or like the same way that men attempt to do. Exactly. Versus like when men do it, and I'm not saying that like women don't cheat or anything like that, but at the same time, it's like men who are demanding access without any type of prior suspicion or anything that's even like remotely suggests that he should be suspicious are insane and controlling and they're all dangerous. Whereas so like, what if a woman does that, then why isn't she also insane and controlling? I don't think women who do, who snoop are dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So that's a double standard that I support that everyone always disagrees with me on that one, but I uh, stand by what I said and I'll never apologize for it. So similarly to the paying for dates one, I think it's perfectly acceptable for a man to fund a woman's lifestyle. And I think that's something that men should strive to do for the woman in their life. But I don't think a woman should have to do the same in terms of financial labor. Being with a man is generally detrimental to a woman, especially if they have kids. So, you know, if we look at the sexual market, generally speaking, by the way, we just hit 100 likes. I'm giving away a channel membership. Sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, let's see who gets it. And the winner is a shout out to Jason Leonardo for becoming a founding member. And who's it going to be? God damn. They're really uh, just giving us blue balls, giving this thing away. All right. Well, we'll let you know. Speaking, women are generally in a lot more demand than men. The Great Restart. Congrats. Great Restart, everybody. I mean, so this means if a woman chooses to be with a guy, she is shutting off a lot of potential other opportunities that she might have that might actually be better than the man she's chosen to be with. Uh, secondly speaking, if a woman has a child and a lot of women have found this out the hard way, 50-50 doesn't cut it because you can't go 50-50 on childbirth. And even child rearing, as a COVID pandemic has shown, um, even when both parents are in the home, it's still not 50-50. It's still the woman doing all of it. So therefore, you know, the man basically funding the woman's lifestyle should be the bare minimum. And it also acts as a counterweight to- I mean, maybe once you have kids- advantages that women face by being in a monogamous relationship with a man and having his kids if she chooses to do that this is an odd double standard too because i know a lot of the feminists are like well a man should step up and he should be able to be a second parent and like we all definitely agree with that unfortunately society right now doesn't have the infrastructure to teach men that and that's why women are constantly frustrated with their partners because like it's one of two things either we could try to teach them and pre-vet and do our best to try to weed out all the men who won't be good parents which we absolutely agree with or you spend most of the time with a guy who's just on some level and maybe on a 
primal level just is never going to be as instinctual about how to care for a child as a woman is, you know, depending on whether you buy into certain aspects of evolutionary biology, there might be certain things that women are more instinctually able to do because of the way that we evolved as the female caretakers of the species that may be harder for men to instinctively learn. Like, obviously, they can learn to cook and clean and shit like that. That has nothing to be gendered. But just like as far as like regular childcare, or you think that they're being lazy and actually weaponizing their incompetence, and then you have to spend their relationship trying to like get them up to the level that you're at. This is like a constant source of frustration for women because men are constantly behind us on this particular thing. So I think like if they cannot perform to that level, it's okay to have a double standard because they're slacking compared to where you're at. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the reason why I wouldn't date a man who earns less than I do because again, this might sound judgmental, but I don't really. I also, just as an aside, I don't understand why when women are dating, they are afraid to be judgmental. Like if you're going to be discriminatory in quotation marks. It's fine to be judgmental, I guess, to a degree. I mean, men are as well. Judgmental. This should be the most acceptable arena to do it in because your choice of life partner is arguably the biggest choice, especially for a woman that she can make because making the wrong choice that like, you could literally wind up dead so i don't really understand this logic about am i being too harsh am i being again it's like the, it always just comes up to winding up dead but you're like you ladies probably don't know one chick that this has happened to or likely you don't even know someone that knows someone that this happened to like I, of course it happens but these are not like common occurrences too judgmental I'm like no judge away anyway going back to what i was saying this is why i wouldn't date a guy who makes like less money than i do now in the uk this is a similar argument with the whole trans stuff where you're like well they're gonna commit suicide if you don't do this and you're like okay it does happen a- Sure, I am but... going to admit that is pretty hard to find, not going to like give away my salary, but it's a standard that I'm going to stick to because I'm not sure if I'll have kids one day, but if I eventually have kids, I don't want to be worrying that our quality of life is going to drop you know, massively because you know there is a 20k income gap between me and my husband, or I'll have to go back to work earlier than planned because he can't afford to pay for the household whilst I'm off work. And just generally, I just like, again, she uses whilst a lot. I know it sort of goes back to like the disadvantage and advantage thing, but I sort of feel like, and and again, this might sound a bit, a bit left, but it's like, if I've managed to do quite well as somebody, as a black woman from a poor minority in the UK, then men literally don't have an excuse as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What's their excuse? No, I agree. I'm so turned off by male laziness. It's just like the thing. Uh, We get murdered all the time. How about that? How about men are getting murdered nonstop? You step out the fucking door, getting pushed in front of a train. That makes my vagina shrivel up more than anything else is that if I feel like me, if I can do better than you and I'm female and then I feel like you're slacking, right? Like you haven't tried nearly as hard as I have in life. Like you're not focused. Yeah. And I don't find that attractive. A lot of this just has to do with like, so maybe this is like my immigrant work ethic as well that I'm trying to uh, balance. (laughs) But like, yeah, I feel like a man, if he doesn't have any like dependence or anything like that, then if he spends most of his, he should basically be able to fail up into a certain level of success, right? Just by like virtue of being able to negotiate better with salary, you know, as long as they like their universities are practically begging to make the genders more equitable because men aren't qualifying at nearly the same rates as women are. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, and there's certain niche professions where, especially among minority men, like they're really, really looking to support men in that profession, right? So I feel like a lot of times if a man is not able to find his way, it's a little bit more deliberate. Like it's like they're spent way too much time navel gazing and not enough time working. And that's a turnoff. And there are some attributes as well, just off the back of what Rose said, things like ambition, things like drive, things like determination that you can't teach somebody. I think it's very much a case of you have to develop it or you'll never develop it. Like there are some, like, even like being clean, like if you must, you can teach a guy how to be tidier. Do you know what I mean? But you can't teach these innate, I guess, like traits that, and I'm just not going to waste my time with, you know, with a guy like that. Like personally, that's just my absolute cut off. If he's doing worse than me, especially if he's older than me as well. Like I've always dated guys who are several years older than me. There's no fucking excuse. I'm sorry. Like I'm not doing that. Yeah, it starts to feel like they weren't focused enough, in which case like you can't rely on them. 
not even like your standard of living would drop. It's that your quality of life would drop because if that guy would not work as hard to maintain it or he wouldn't be as like motivated to, you know, create a way out of no way. A person who's like, who has uh, resilience and the ability to be creative in the way that they solve problems. Like, I just feel like a person like that, like the days of the man, like going to the, his like uh, shoe salesman job and then coming home and drinking a beer and putting his hand in his pants, like that shit's over. Like the old Al Bundy trope from like, excuse me. If they're going to bring up Al Bundy, then I got to get my hat on. If you watch like old um, old TV, like that kind of thing is it used to be able, once again, like men could kind of fail up into those jobs. And it used to be that like you can make a good I'm sorry, were you saying that Al Bundy was failing up into being a shoe salesman? He did live in a pretty nice house, though. But, I mean, wasn't nice, things, but like but... nowadays, I think it requires a little bit more hustle. And so the guys that aren't putting in the hustle are actually it's not just your quality of life is <laughs> going to drop or that like they might not be an asset is that like they might actually be a liability. And it's not necessarily fair because the economy sucks, but it is what it is right now. <laughs> Exactly. And it's like, don't also forget the axes that they will eventually begin to resent you. Like a lot of men say that they want a woman who can hold her own. But when they're actually confronted with such a woman, a lot of them don't know how to act. And, you know, I've experienced it myself where um, the men I've been dating, they know I can do better than them. and I'm actively doing better than them. It's not like it's just a theory. But for example, when and I- yet you're still dating them. <laughs> I was with my first boyfriend and I was applying to uni and getting accepted. He just started getting really nasty and saying I was too stupid to go. They're not going to accept you anyway. And this is a guy who hadn't, for various reasons, like finished even the equivalent of his high school education. So he was clearly projecting his failures onto me. But it's like a lot of men say they want an independently successful woman, but I don't know how many of them can legitimately handle and be supportive. And when I say supportive, I don't mean saying, yeah, go girl, you know, I support you. I mean, is a guy willing to sacrifice, as in move house, possibly change his job, careers uh, for the advancement of the woman's career? I don't think there are many men who are willing to do that. And the well, woman- they would have to have some sort of guarantee that you're not going to like, you know, four years in be like, you know what, I kind of want to have kids now. This is kind of all for nothing. Have been like the married women I know who are very successful, their husbands were willing to do that. So there was one, I worked with a woman, she was the boss of her husband in the same organization. But people would say it was awkward them in meeting. You're not allowed to do that. But it just goes to show Fuck like up. there are some men out there. It's predatory on her part. You can't date subordinates. He'll be okay with that. But I, I would guess the vast majority, they would feel somehow about their wife being their boss and earning double and they're basically earning, you know, double what they're earning, especially within the same company in the same industry. I don't think many guys will be okay with that. So should I go next? Sure. Okay. My other double standard under no circumstances, under no circumstances, should a woman get down on her knees and ask a man to marry her? Agreed. Agreed. I'll agree on this one. That is fucking cringe. I don't know why this is controversial. Agreed. Agreed. Embarrassing. Stand up, sis. Don't ever in your life do that. Uh... Don't ever in your life do that. But also, if you're a guy and you're not fake proposing like 20 times before the real one, then you're also a chump. You got to be milking that. I've seen... There was like, like a... Every m- time you're like just pretending to tie your shoe and a lot of stuff like that. You've been a you know? trend for a while of people posting videos where the woman proposed to the man and like trying to play it off as romantic. And then you'd always hear the backstory and it'd be like, well, they've been together for 10 years. It's usually some forever girlfriend who is trying to set up a high pressure situation to force this guy to marry her on the spot. There is... So- That's cool. Coercive. That's not cool, right, ladies? Many more benefits to marriage for men than for women that nowhere in your life should you be humbling yourself so that you can beg a man to be attached to you. That's crazy. Talk. It's so embarrassing. Are so- there a lot of more benefits for men than women? I like, I'm honestly trying to like, not even saying that it's not true, but I'm trying to think of what are all the huge benefits for men? Just And what are they saying? Just like you have someone who takes care of the house. 
a free maid? Is that what it is? So embarrassing. Oh. Secondhand embarrassment to any woman who gets down on her knees and tries to propose to a man because he is not that committed to you. He's probably using you for a free pussy subscription if he has it. Like, is yet. it just, is it all their mind? All they are just a vaginas? That's all they bring to the table is they just have a vagina? And so they go, well, if you get married, it's a pretty sweet deal. You got access to this vagina all the time, even though I'm sure a lot of married men would be like, yeah, no, we don't. I made effort to make you his wife. It's like a, a marriage of convenience. <laughs> and he's going to be the same lazy, non-committal scrote your entire marriage and relationship. And with men, he'll more than likely upgrade to somebody he actually wants if you ever should meet that person. So it's just like, it's embarrassing all around. Like, I know, like, once again, a lot of the feminist people are like, a woman can post to a man. And they're... Uh, moderator Zach in the chat, 73% of divorces are instigated by women. So there you go. They're stupid. And they should shut up because like they're once again, they're going to get exploited and grifted by men who are going to use them for their own personal gain. It's like with all these like things that are gender neutral, they sound nice, but you really got to do the cost benefit analysis before you go all in. There are some times where gender neutrality benefits women and there's sometimes where it is a massive liability to us. And like this is one of those times, actually pretty much everything we've described in this episode are things that a much higher risk and a much bigger liability to women if we pretend there are no sex differences in this area. Because once again, I'm not going to mention this person's name, but there's a song called High Calf on a Baby. You actually can't go half on a baby. It's like one. 100% done by women. Yeah, you can't go 50-50 on childbirth, can't go 50-50 on breastfeeding. You're going to do all the labor. You're going to do all the childcare labor, at least most of it, until like there's some kind of vast, massive improvement in men's parenting skills. And also, you're probably going to be the person that's going to have to take the pay cut if you need to stay home and take care of your children for any reason. Not even if you want to be a stay-at-home mom. Say you just have a kid that has special needs or like gets sick or something like that. It's more than likely going to be you. Did you ever notice? I'm sure, there's no burden on the man at that point. In all of these videos where the woman proposes to the man, the man always looks so uncomfortable. Right. Like the look on the man's fucking face is like, Oh, well, especially of- if they know that it's getting filmed in some capacity. They like, the woman gets down on one knee and then he like looks over and he's on the fucking Jumbotron. He's like, I fucked up. Like, oh, is this a prank? Like, <laughs> it's like deer in a headlight oh, yeah deer in a headlight or he just looks uncomfortable he thinks it's a joke like and when he realizes that she's serious he's he like has his face like oh shit like you know so you know there's always yeah because yeah, he's like i'm about to be on fucking jimmy kimmel she's like oh my god he said yes i'm so happy and you can see the like cringe in his face i'm like girl like why would you embarrass yourself and humiliate and yourself yeah. for a man like this he doesn't even care about you that much it's so embarrassing if you're a content creator, don't even do it for the likes. Don't even do it as a joke. Don't even do it as a prank. Because there's been even like content creators I try to do as a prank. And you can just see, I was like, oh, this is the beginning of the end of that relationship. Because yeah. like she, <laughs> he reacted in a way she wasn't predicting, right? Because she's like, oh, I'm going to do this as a prank. And then you can see the tension behind it. It's like, don't even waste your time. I think, you know, you bring up marriage. You talk about marriage with men. But under no circumstances should you be the person that proposes it. Exactly. I agree 1000%. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, I would literally good. rather eat glass than ask a man to marry me. As a woman, just like as everything has been said, like knowing what women go through when they're married and the stuff that they usually end up having to give up, I could just never ask my way into that. Yep. Stuff women have to give up when they get married? Like knowing how much. See, I see marriage is like a good deal for women. That's, that, that, I see that as a bad deal for guys and a good deal for women. It's interesting that they see it as the opposite. Should women suffer and how much men benefit from marriage? No woman should ever be begging for that, ever. This is the man who should be begging for that. It's just like begging for your own imprisonment and disadvantage, let's be real. If, for, for a lot of women. There are some women who marry great Women's guys. Women's imprisonment, huh? Yeah. And, you know, they improve over time, but that's not the norm at the moment anyway. It's like they're begging for validation. And if you're begging for validation from men, you're a pick-me. <laughs> it's okay. We've all had pick-me tendencies. Just admit it. 
Especially the wrong type of men as well. Right. Just admit that you're kind of a pick me and that you have to work on your self-esteem, you know, because if he's in a relationship and he's not making you secure, like you have a future and you have to guess by high pressuring him into a marriage. Oh yeah. It's beyond beneath you. I don't think there's a single woman in existence for whom that's beneath, for whom that's not beneath, I should say. Should I go next? I do have a line in here. We already touched on this, but I wanted to summarize. I have a line here saying a woman's wallet belongs to hers alone. A man's wallet belongs to the community. So that's like a Russian saying. That's a Russian culture thing. I completely agree. Like Russia is a highly patriarchal culture. This is one area that I completely agree. Yeah, a man's wallet belongs to the group. The woman's wallet belongs to her alone. Yeah, a man's wallet is the community wallet versus a woman's wallet. A woman's money is her money. And we Fuck just did a, a joint finances episode on the Patreon that was bonus content because of an article where they were trying to make the argument that like, oh, couples who pull their money together are more likely to stay together. But they don't really drill down to see like why that is. And it's because if men have all the control of the money, then they tend to use it to be tyrannical towards everybody. Whereas like women are more likely to understand the material needs of everybody in the tribe, so to speak, and use the money to support the material needs for healthy group cohesion. And it's like a completely different way that men versus- I mean, men are generally more prudent, I would say, at least in some things, but- women spend money yes there are women who are like retail queens and maybe spend too much on shopping etc but like for the vast majority of relationships because women are more likely to be caretakers not just of their children but of their extended family then they're more likely ears on the ground understanding what everybody needs and how to manage a functional household versus like men who like want to spend it on toys and gambling and probably extracurricular activities you wouldn't be happy with like porn right so like it is very important that you know what his paycheck is and that it gets distributed to the family and everybody who your family unit is responsible for caring for Versus like for women, you should have some kind of money stashed away somewhere if you need to escape because that, once again, that's like your break glass in case of emergency money. And it doesn't necessarily mean that all of your crypto podcast money should be going to him because at the end again, like, first of all, what does he fucking need it for? Like, (laughs) exactly. What are you doing paying for your man? That's fucking embarrassing. God. Yeah, because it's like, once again, if he can't keep up with the demands of supporting your lifestyle, then if anything happens to you or you have to do a caretaking role, which more than likely falls on women, then he can't. What if the requirements for your lifestyle are fucking stupid, though? Like you just are stupid with money and stuff. Does that count? Or I guess that's just they go, that's what she needs. Support it. And he's useless then. Like it used to be a time where like men felt bad if they didn't have a job and they were dependent on everybody. And we need to go back to that because like it's gone from like, okay, it's okay for a man if he's not working or like we shouldn't put so much pressure on a man to be a provider that like they want to kill themselves or something like that. Because there's, you know, there's men that like feel like, well, I failed as a man and I want to be embarrassed and it's, it becomes like very toxic masculinity. But, like once again, it's turned into this like generation of freeloading losers and like that's just not acceptable. Like if they took full advantage of the idea that they don't have to be providers anymore and to the point where like now they're just freeloading on a lot of the women in their family and a lot of the women in a lot of families enable that shit there's a lot of these like stay-at-home sons right that just fail their launch and all they do is like you know sit in their mom's basement and play video games and consume and do all those types of things and they have not learned to either they've not learned a tangible skill that's going to make them money uh, give them the ability to provide in the real world and they have no like caretaking skills they don't even know how to be a mr mom or stay-at-home dad if you were to be the breadwinning mom so it's like they've literally made themselves useless because not only are they not looking at themselves i mean that's just natural selection and they get kind of just weeded out of the gene pool as responsible for trying to provide anything they don't want to fill the masculine role but they don't want to fill the feminine role either they just don't want to do anything exactly they're not doing shit <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yes. so they're useless so what's the point like what's the point of you being there you're literally i mean and the crazy part is that there's still some chick out there who's gonna go fuck that guy and make a new kid and this is sort of why i feel like men have just made they're starting to make themselves irrelevant over time. And it's like, especially the ones who are refusing to do things like paying for dates, making sure their partner is, is financially secure. Because it's like, if you're not going to do that and you're not going to do the child rearing or the feminine, in quotation mark, um, activities, then literally what is the point of having you around? I mean, a lot of them are not even good for sex either. So it's like, literally, what is the point of having you around? There's no reason. Demand sex and so they can feel like the Kang. Like, so they can feel important. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's my masculinity. <laughs> and then they get oh, the South Park references. They're not even a South Park reference, but they kind of like. I think they think that's a South. Talk Park Talk about reference. how all the women in the house are feminizing them. Oh my god! When we do our episode <laughs> on like church skirts, we should talk about this about how like men will act completely useless and then blame women and say they're being feminized by women. It's like we're feminizing you. Like we didn't tell your ass you're to be feminizing like, yourself because they're not even doing anything, any of the actual valuable labor that women normally do. They're not even being feminized. They're just being demasculinized. They're just being infantilized. They're just being negated. They're nothing. <laughs> Yeah, they're being negated because most of what you're doing is useless and stupid. So you're not being feminized. Like no one's going to force you into a feminine role unless like you choose that because you're too lazy and competent and want to fight with women rather than like- chicks are in for a rude awakening when the sex robots show up. That's all I'm going to say. Like creating something of value in the world, right? Like you feminize yourself. But that's the thing. They're not even in the feminine role. Like they're just in these, like the underclass male role. That's true. I don't want to insult women by calling these like useless man children feminized because that's like- That's an insult to women's labor, yeah. What they're calling useless infantilization of men is what they're calling feminization. But I'm like, no, it's just you being useless and infantile. You're not being feminized, right? Like you, that's you. Yeah, they're just being juvenile. If you were feminized, you'd be a lot more attractive to be black. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they'd be working on their appearance, trying to be sexually attractive to women so they could get taken care of. And they're not doing any of that shit. You know, guys get mad at me on Twitter all the time when I say things like, you know, men should work, men should contribute to their community. They always come with like, in exchange for what? Why should I have to do this? Like, why should I contribute to my community if I don't get anything in return kind of thing? It's like, what you get in return is that we allow you to exist within our society, right? Like men don't seem to understand that like being part of a community or being a member of society has inherent benefits, right? You know, they have this like taking, take, take, take. I mean, kinda, they just they kind of true. Yeah, I don't have to contribute yeah. to their community unless they get something in return. But even though they they already get returns, but they just don't value those returns. Like they don't see those as valuable, right? They don't see human connection as valuable. Yeah, and then they wonder why they're depressed all of the time, and then they get into the red pill, and they get into like this extreme. Yeah, why are they depressed? Why are they lonely? Why does no one want to talk to them? Yeah, they get into this like extreme right wing conservative, and that everything else is like everything else is conspiring against them, right? And they're like their de- development. Yeah, and it's really just their own failures. It's usually like them not able to form healthy attachments to women because they want to dominate women or exploit women or feel entitled for women to doing labor for them. And I'm like, you got to get off your ass and make your own way. Like, and that's on you. Like, it's not everybody has to do that. It's not like it's just men, actually. Like a lot of times women do as well. Like even women who are gold diggers, it's not like they're sitting on their ass waiting for a man to rescue them. Like they got to put in work to become attractive to men, to be what? chosen to be like you know a trophy wife or something like that so once again these guys aren't feminized because they're not even doing anything that would make them attractive to the opposite sex to get chosen so stupid <laughs> i haven't seen any of these guys becoming pick me's like <laughs> in fact like they look at the guys who attempt to pander to the women they call them simps and stuff right they're like they're not being feminized but yeah so guys are pick me's all the time that's uh unless anyone has any final ones to add oh, yeah yeah i always take the woman's side in a disagreement even if she is wrong because society is always so quick to side with the men well, i one up you women are never wrong and in every conflict and you know people are so quick to like gaslight women and be like oh are you sure he meant it that way or oh, are you sure you're not overreacting or yada 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 kind of thing in every conflict ever i always take the woman's side no matter what and actually it's made me an even better leader so i think that's another <laughs> like <laughs> oh, i think man. like Penn imagine is- lilith's your boss men is actually like bad for you right like it's actually better to prioritize women like i'm actually better at my job because of- i think this podcast might be radicalizing me that i think there is something in- says the man wearing the no ma'am hat in not because even amongst other women when a woman like steps out of line she's instantly cancelled but they don't usually have the same energy for men and i do think that one of the strongest pillars of patriarchy is the lack of female class solidarity and this whole idea that a woman like has to be perfect even though you know that level of perfection is absolutely I love that part of their whole premise is that uh, women's problems are still the fault of the patriarchy. Never achieved because they keep shifting. Like women can't get along. Why? 
patriarchy and the goalposts but this idea that a woman has to be perfect before she's even you know perfect. worthy of a scrap of sympathy is just bollocks like you know when it comes to men they don't even have to like or care about the guy they're defending before they defend him they will just defend him because he's male or they'll start making excuses for him because he's male like women you know we need to start doing mm-hmm. the same thing and stop trying to get cheap brownie points from men by trying to be like i'm not like those nasty feminists who are pro-woman like being pro-woman is not an insult you shouldn't see that as a derogatory term like you are you know as a female why wouldn't you be pro your own pro your own sex it's just like me getting a fan i'm pro women just because they're the best if somebody said i'm pro black i was like well yeah of course because i'm black like would you expect me to be like pro white like don't take it as an insult but people try and use it as an insult to basically bully you into going against the interests mm-hmm. of your sex class and by proxy going against the interests of yourself because ultimately when these men want to discriminate against women and you know hang and lynch them digitally or in public in whatever form they do it they're not going to remember that you were one of the good feminists they're just going to see you as a woman and act and treat you accordingly yeah stop seeding ground <laughs> this is a fight ladies yeah you have to take the high ground. It's like I said at the beginning, hold the line, fellas. No hold what, the I mean, line. Like, the high ground, not the moral high ground. I mean the tactical high ground. Yeah, you have to take the tactical high ground, not the moral high ground. I love you, Ro. That's oh. such a good line. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You got to figure out where the high ground is, where the most advantageous position for you to be is and get your ass there, right? (laughs) Yeah, not just that. You got to get the high ground and you got to keep the high ground, okay? And you got to like shoot anyone who tries to take the high ground from you. (laughs) Exactly. That's the thing. And this is like, it became the most apparent to me during Me Too when women would talk about any type of stories that would be clearly sexual assault. Men would try to make it seem like it was gray and she was responsible. They are always going to look, they're always going to take the high ground where women are responsible. Not cool, rapists. Responsible, tactical high ground. Even when it's very clear cut cases of coercion and rape, they are going to take the tactical high ground that women are responsible. Even when it's very clear that that's not the case. And I realize like, oh, it's a reflexive thing for them. It's always reflexive that they're I always going to create I did not hear a lot of people with Bill Cosby blaming the women. Narrative from whatever situation that is, absolves them from responsibility and makes you responsible. So in order to stop seeding ground, you have to like create, you have to have almost like the same level of knee-jerk audacity to defend yourself and defend your sex. And other members in your group, right? I think it is rational to like, if you're a member of an oppressed group, it is rational to prioritize yourself and other members of that oppressed group, right? Like I see a lot of black women supremacists on Twitter and I think that is a women in like, oppressed Black group? women should be black women supremacists. I think like women should be women supremacists, right? Men are already male supremacists. And like, white women should... By default. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, they're default male supremacists. Like, they're already going to put themselves first. You can't be a woman and be a, a male supremacist. That's just fucking dumb and self-defeating, right? Yeah, that's the end of our show. Let us know about if you have any double standards between men and women. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, so we don't apologize for not one thing that was said during this podcast. I'm just going <laughs> to gonna go ahead and put that Tell out there. Tell us to die, no, man. Yeah, I do not apologize for my double standards against men. I'm saying it with my chest. In fact, I don't even call it double standards. I just call it a form of social positive action, which is long overdue. Yeah, for women. That's kind of so, a yeah, better that's way to show. Check it. out our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com. You can go to our forum. Uh, all right. That's it. We banged out episodes 76 and 77. There's a chance I will go back and figure out which ones we missed, but probably not. So this is just where we're at. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining me. I have no more episodes in me uh, today. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday. Maybe we'll have a guest next Sunday. Uh, we'll see. Maybe JJ will come hang out and we'll we'll watch uh, episode 78 slash listen. That's been the stream. As always, like, subscribe, all the stuff. Go watch the Oscars. Have fun. Just have a good time watching the Oscars tonight because that is what real entertainment is. I've been Danny Paulischuk. I am going to be back this Tuesday night with an all-new episode of Low Value Mail. Wednesday, new episode of The Bathhouse. Come join me. One of the two or both. See you later, everybody. Thanks again for joining me. Good night. 
she heroic. Empathic abilities, yeah, my face be also stoic. Bleep blow up, nigga, that just means I'm working. They see me as a leader, so that's why I'm Captain Kirkin. These charts from the stars, that much is for certain. You can feel this here if you up or if you hurt. I'm raising my stock, not talking my feet, it's a burkin. Number Johnny Five, got a fucking short circuit. Bring the track to life when I speak phenomenal. When I hit, she feel that shit in her abdominals. These rappers make me laugh like comic, be they comic. Do. You know I got a ball out, I hit the track running just like Sonic do. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. They was trying to get me on my hype shit. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. And they tried to down me up some KO type shit. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. Now we pulling up fresh on some flight shit. Ah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Uh. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. They was trying to get me on my hype shit. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. And they tried to down me up some KO type shit. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. I'm pulling up fresh on some